You want to make mom smile this Mother's Day? You can start Mother's Day with flowers or surprise her with gifts from the brands she loves, delivered the very same day with DoorDash. Wow, that's a great idea. Moms are such a gift to us, and we should treat them the same way, with gifts, especially on Mother's Day. I didn't know DoorDash was doing that. That's exceptional. If your mom has a sweet tooth, or if she's a tech enthusiast, beauty connoisseur, if she's outdoorsy, no matter what she's into, you can make her smile with a fruit or flower bouquet, makeup, tech gear, workout wear, and more, all deliverable through DoorDash. Get all your Mother's Day gifts all in one place and get 50% off your next order up to $15 when you spend $15 or more on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now with code THEO. That's T-H-E-O. Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. The fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football, and I'll agree to that. I mean, it just it blows the pros out of the water. And it all comes down to the national championship. That's looming right ahead of us. My go-to for sports betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sports book apps. And right now, new customers can bet $5, just $5, on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code THEO. New customers bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code THEO, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. We've got tour dates to announce. Uh, Louisville, uh, Indianapolis. We added a show in Indianapolis. Shreveport, uh, Louisiana. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, Corpus Christi, uh, Houston. Uh, we added a show in Houston, added a show in Phoenix, added a show in New York City, and added a show in Austin, Texas. Uh, those are all at theovon.com slash T-O-U-R. Make sure to do ticketing through those links to get accurately priced ticketing. And uh, thank you, guys. That's all Return of the Rat Tour. So if you've already seen it, it'll be similar to that uh, still, just so you know. We've got lots of new merch up at theovonstore.com. Check out the new Hitter Hunting Collection. Also, the new Gang Gang Crewnecks in orange and purple and gold fits. We got the new Rat King t-shirt in purple and black. That thing. That's the thing, baby. If you haven't seen that one, check it out. Theovonstore.com. Today's guest is a Grammy Award-winning musician and producer. Um... He creates, he's one of the most creative people I've ever met. Uh, he's a friend of mine. And, um, and he's someone I really enjoy talking to, and I haven't gotten to speak with him in a while. So I'm grateful for our opportunity today. Um, he has uh, produced music and written music for and with some of the top artists in the world. Uh, I'm excited today to catch up with him. Uh, to learn a little bit more about his creative process and to just spend some time uh, furthering our friendship. Today's guest is the one and only James Blake.
I, I, what are they call lazy boys, the, the things that I saw one in Friends at one point. You did. Well, bring I don't your, know. Lazy boys bring, are not a really big. Th- they're not a thing in in England. Bring your mic in. Let's <laughs> okay, see. Okay, there we go. With the seat, you mean? Yeah, like what they call a lazy boy doesn't exist in in England I don't think well I think because we got it once they got to America people probably got more lazy I would guess right and they're like do you think that's what it was it was okay so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy I feel like a little bit it's a circular situation (laughs) like I think the first chairs didn't even have a seat on it it was just like a piece just straight up piece of wood and then someone lazy sat on it yeah and then they had to create yeah they're like oh you, this can extra, be better right yeah right that's interesting it's funny that we got to america and created a lot of like lazy stuff you know maybe i don't know where the i don't know where the lazy stereotype came from i mean i i mean it seems like a pretty industrious place yeah especially around the time when they got it well i think yeah because then they hit the industrial revolution you know i think mm. a couple i don't know when people even got here i mean there's a lot of speculation but um, but you're from originally from Britain. I'm from England. Yeah, you're from England. England. And so, if somebody says England, is that is that more top shelf than saying Britain? No, no. You know, I, I'll be careful how I say this. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, there, no, it's it's not. I mean, everywhere in Britain is you know, it's just a sort of a, it's a collection of places when you say Britain, and I'm part of Britain as well. I'm part of the UK. Uh, yeah. I'm also probably a mix of of a lot of different things, you know, historically. So I think I'm a bit Irish, a bit, um, bit Welsh. Ooh, the Welsh I hear about sometimes. Yeah, they travel. Is Darren, well, is he Welsh? Sure Darren travel, Till, but... do you think? Is he Welsh, that UFC guy? I don't... Look that up, Zach. Can you, can you look up if Darren Till is Welsh? I don't know. You know what? I've, I've really lost track of... UFC recently. I yeah. Don't know why. Yeah, I haven't watched it for a couple. He's couple English. Years. Can uh, he be both? He could be both. Uh, he could be both somewhere. I mean, the Welsh is. It's a. I think it's a dominant gene. Ooh. Oh, he's a Liverpool man. Yeah, I got. I, I wish I had oh, a better. The, oh, okay. I wish Sorry. I had a better chart about the British. I don't have a good. You know, I believe in it. I've seen a lot of the. You know, I believe. I just. I, I mean, I, I got to see. I, I wish I knew more. About the about the British, yeah, just kind of what it feels like. I feel like you have better posture inside of your soul. That's what I think it feels like when you talk. When the British, they have like, I think this this uh, this myth that we're sophisticated is very is pervasive, right? But I honestly don't know where it comes from, and I think I think it's just the way we sound. It's not real. I you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes phonetics. And like someone's accent can make them seem something, and then it's just all can be complete bollocks. I mean, yeah, because the British you know. they sound like when they're talking like there's perfectly set silverware on the side of their mouth. That's what it feels like to me. Yes, when I hear someone British talking like even to that yeah. little spoon, and you're like, what is that for? You know? Yeah. Well, and they say the, it's for shrimp. But you're like, how would you even use this on a shrimp? You know, I without mean, being a pervert. The little spoon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the little spoon. The little spoon is for. I mean. For sugar in tea, oh. I guess I really don't know. I mean, the the spoon differences in in size of teaspoons here, <laughs> it you know it it catches dry. me out a lot <laughs> just when I'm making. If you want to make anything, uh, but yeah, I think when I see or... British people, I guess there is like that. Yeah, I feel like I do feel a sophistication. I feel like I 
I feel like I'm like they came out of the library and they're giving me a. I feel like <laughs> there's something about it to to an American person, you know. I just again I don't know where it comes from because I think when I came over here, I noticed that a lot of the smartest people I'd met were from over. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's just you got smart people everywhere, dumb people everywhere. And you also were getting into an age where you were probably going to start meeting more people. You were in your field. Yes. So. Yes. And also, you know, when it comes to musicians, we're not, we don't tend to be the most kind of um, articulate people for some reason. I think we're not the best people to have conversations with. Mm. I find that with musicians. Um, So I had to branch out. Not because I'm such a great conversationalist, but because I just, I noticed that a lot of my conversations with musicians tended to be more one dimensional. And then outside of that, there wasn't like a broad, and I myself didn't have like a broad knowledge of stuff. And, and because I think music sort of funnels you into like a, you know, it's a bit like, <clears throat> it's kind of like Pavlovian conditioning, right? If you, if you get, uh, if you're rewarded for, for kind of your your primary way of speaking which is through music probably mm -hmm. if you're like a writer or a musician the likelihood is that you're you're better at articulating your emotions through music and then outside of that you can be kind of stumped um which is i think you find like a lot of like very sort of socially anxious musicians and stuff which i've definitely been myself and then yeah and then you then you're rewarded for for that one expression, mm. Const, you know, constantly, right? Maybe, of course, maybe you become successful, hopefully, and then, then people pay you for that expression. Like no one's paying you to talk. Yeah, no one's no one's paying you to express yourself in any other way or be funny or whatever it is. Right. So yeah, you, so you can have so much ex like, yeah, you start to feel like that's where some of your reward is is at, and so that's where your most your value is at, and so then, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, and then I think after that, you just start to, all the other muscles atrophy. Mm. Right, so so then chatting is not, I mean, when I met my girlfriend, I I wasn't really finishing sentences. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone was sort of required me to. Yeah, yeah. They'd just be like, oh, we know, we know what he means. <laughs> He's probably, that was probably very funny wherever that was going. Um, it's funny. Well, this is great because this is how you and I met. I met your girlfriend. Yeah. And um, she was a comedy fan. She loves comedy. Yeah. She loves to laugh. and uh... She introduced me to your special. Oh, she did? Yeah. And uh, we came to oh, see you. Oh, that's right. The first one. That's right. Uh, you comedy's... guys came to see me. Uh, where did we see you? Um, comedy store? Store? What's the? What's it called? Yeah, comedy store. Comedy store. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, because I remember one time I saw her at the comedy store, and uh, she was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna catch a Uber or something." And I was like, I'll, "I'll give you a ride home." You know, she's like, "I don't live far," and I'm just thinking, like, I'm like beautiful girl. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, I, I, oh, I got my hopes up. I got my <laughs> no, hopes no. up, bro. My hopes have been, you know, I couldn't. Even, my hopes have been lost. I've been like, I'm like, I'm like, literally, while she's talking, I'm like, hopes, 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 get over here, man. I'm gonna pick you up. So I got my hopes up, and uh, I drive her. Um, you know, I drive her. It's it's in Hollywood, and it's kind of in the hills. Not not not. It's a, it's in a nice place. There's a couple of roads. Yeah, yeah we've actually moved since then. So not far. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not way out there. You know. Where, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, 
And then I, she's like, you have to meet my boy. Well, yeah, that's yeah. not a good impersonation, but she's like, you've got to meet my boyfriend. Yes. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> he sounds like a great guy. Um, and she goes, a- no, he would absolutely <laughs> love you. Or she might have already said that he's a fan of yours. Or Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you guys came to the comedy store yeah, yeah, one yeah. time. I was very nervous to meet you at the time. Yeah? Yeah, I was. Well, yeah, because I think, you know, there's this... Um, there's this mutual like uh, mutual appreciation, I think, between comedians and musicians. I think a lot of musicians want to be comedians, and a lot of comedians want to be musicians. Yeah. And you know, that's that's like a general rule. Although I haven't ever heard you express interest in being a musician, uh, but and oh, nor yeah. nor do I want to be a comedian. But I think I I think there's I didn't really have any comedian friends at that point. Yeah, and we'd been watching a lot of stand up comedy, and we'd been going to the like comedy store and we've been going to like different shows and i just kind of felt intimidated by the idea that i needed to be funny oh you know i thought like not only did i did i really respect what you did but i don't get i don't really get starstruck particularly yeah because just through exposure to you know the industry and, and stuff but i also but in this one way i sort of felt insecure i was like wait i think i told you this before um, I was like, I'm, you know, do I have to like, do I have to be on? Do I have to like be funny and be smart and whatever? Because your comedy was was smart and it was funny and it was. I was like, what's he? And I didn't really understand oh, the difference between the stage and the the off stage kind of person, really. Well, I think it's interesting because, yeah, it's funny when I've talked to you sometimes, I'm like, dang, do I need to know a lot about music or can I just share about music how I think and feel about it and that I don't know that much? Do I have to pretend like I know all of the names of every one of your songs? Like, I think that happens a lot of times when you meet somebody of a certain thing, of a certain genre. Like, what are they going to expect? You do. You do. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Um, So, you know, I'll be quizzing you on that later. Yeah. If you know when you're ready, okay. Yeah, there's a. I mean, I do have some. Fa- I do have some favorites, man. <laughs> it's funny you say that you're not that like. Um, word. Would you say that words weren't very, per- like, I uh, uh, articulate. Yeah. Well, I don't. I'm not saying I'm not in any way articulate. I'm just saying that as uh, a general rule, right? Musicians, like I had to find my words. Really, you know, it was a process. Like, it, I think you, if you'd met me, maybe sort of seven, eight years ago, I probably would have. Well, I probably wouldn't have sustained a friendship for a start because I think I would have been intimidated or not been socially kind of comfortable enough to be, especially not to do this. I mean, there's no way I'd have come in here. This would have been way too much. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible, man. That's right. We've talked about a lot of this kind of stuff. This is where a lot of our friendship kind of started was talking about that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always admired how open you are about, you know, mental health and like all this other stuff and, and, and your own kind of shortcomings or your own kind of uh things you don't know yeah you know that's always been amazing to me and i think that's probably to me is like a huge strength of yours is 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 being the voice of people who who are afraid to ask questions because they're worried that they're going to be you know made fun of or Mm. uh in some way kind of uh, mocked because you know because there are a lot of things i mean it's hard to do sometimes Talk yeah. to ask the question, especially when you feel like the world is so fast and it knows more than you. Yeah. You know, especially these days, if you feel like you're sometimes from a certain area or from 
a certain financial class. I would be scared. I remember when I was young to ask questions in like a nice person's house. Right. Like if it was a dump, I was like, I was just, you know. Was, you know where you are with that. Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> I'm just out. You know, I'm Alex Trebek in there if it's yeah. a dump. But if it was a nice place, yeah. I'm like, whoa, what? I shouldn't yeah. be asking nothing in yeah, here, right, you know? Right. What, what does a little spoon do, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Stuff yeah. like that, yeah. But yeah, it was just, it's interesting how like different little comfort worlds that people find and. And where you're okay to communicate and uh Yeah. Yeah, it's scary. Communication is kinda interesting. I mean, it's I mean, obviously it's interesting. That's kind of a silly thing to say, but No, but you do it really well. And I think you you manage to I mean, I, I don't know how you sit and talk like on your solo shows. Oh, it's miserable sometimes. It must I mean, it must get hard at sometimes because I d I don't know how you sustain that level of talking for that long. It's like an improvisation. I I sometimes, I mean, I was thinking about it yesterday, thinking about things that we have in common, because I because um, I, I just there's some like I know we have some kind of like friend chemistry that I sort of like, but as but as on top of that, I think we have a kind of there's some similarity between the way you think and the way I think when it comes to the music, and I think sometimes. When I when I when I see the way you're reaching for words, it's like um, I find when I'm reaching for chords, sometimes I have to find a kind of abstract chord or like some kind. Well, maybe an unusual, you know, like a an unusual chord or whatever to 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 nail the emotion I'm looking for, right? And it's because the standard ones won't won't do. Mm. The standard ones don't current, you know, don't quite scratch the itch of what I'm trying to think. Yeah, the Roy feel. G. Biv, it doesn't have enough color. It's not the yes. You want to. You're very specific. Yeah, and it's like looking for that very specific hue. And you seem to do the same thing with words. It's like when you're looking for like a word to describe it. I don't know. It was like a dog. It was like a floor bear. I can't remember. You just oh, have yeah. this like. You know, yeah, you want to get specific because you want them to know exactly what you feel. Yeah, and it's like or what you mean. Yeah, and so you know the the basic language doesn't always cut it. That's so. interesting, man. You know, you have that. What is it? Lyric? You have that lyric. I could drink a case of you and not follow. Oh well, that's a Joni Mitchell lyric, which is a, oh, it is. It's an even better lyric than I could ever write. Yeah, it's a cover. Yeah, oh. no, no, it's a cover, but it's it is the one of the best songs ever written. So I didn't know that. Yeah, that's well, so good, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, on behalf of Jenny Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what is something that I love? Uh, oh, the I gave you punchlines. Oh yes, man, that's a good one. That one really, really resonated they, with me. Uh, I gave them punchlines. They gave me warning signs. Yeah. That reminds me so much of your music to me matters. I mean, we'll get into your music. So much of like that is my song. Yes, that is. That is that's my. It's a, we were the way we uh all oh. uh, say what you will say what you will. Yeah, yeah. God, dude. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate. Yeah, that. I gave you punchlines. You gave me warning signs. That was like my whole. I felt like that was my whole childhood, man. Wow. It was like, you know, I would. All I had was like the way to make people feel something was through laughter or something. Yeah. It was so like, um, 
but everything felt like a warning. It was like the whole world felt like everything felt like warning signs. Like yeah. any reaction people would give to me, I had to monitor every moment of it because I was yeah. always scared when it would go from everything was okay to everything was not okay. Yeah. And man, it was, it's, uh, yeah, you have such a way. It's like watching somebody. Well, first of all, you're like a sound monkey. Like you like, you're like, oh, you're listening to your music and you're like, oh, that's a sound. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that was a sound. Like you're like, I can almost see this like chimpanzee, like swinging out into the unknown and then being like, this is a sound. You yeah, know? yeah. 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 It's um Well you're doing that with what you do that with words. It's funny. And and I and maybe you know, that's some of what it is, you know. Maybe well, I that's think some of it. In in like what you described earlier, like just then, um the 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 kind of exploration. It's like when you in order to emotionally regulate yourself, you've kind of got to find uh words or comedic moments or chords in my case to to just make it feel better and that happens once and it feels a little bit better and you're like okay you subconsciously twig that that's now gonna be your mm. you know and but yeah so like this is a place to go this is a chord i can use yeah. this is a nice landing spot or, yeah or a foothold it's almost like you're doing some mountain climbing like this is a a grip exactly and it's not it's like like i i remember like when i was a when i was a kid there was this one standout i mean it was a small moment but i remember it very vividly which is where my friend was um really it was one of my best friends but you know i didn't have many friends i'd have like one friend at a time it was like you know like a shop it was like one in one out kind of thing and i just had this day where he he just relentlessly took the piss out of me right and he was just being so cruel to me because and i think that when i was when somebody was my only friend i think they they felt they knew they could do that right so just you know when i was much younger like eight or nine or something anyway so this kid is is uh i'm just like oh i was just feeling terrible and i go into the other room and i start playing piano just i just get up oh. and i just go and start playing piano he comes in and uh and just mocks me even harder for coming over to play the piano to like oh. To, to like oh is this your sad song that you're writing because blah, blah blah and i remember thinking at the time yeah <laughs> it is the sad song i'm writing because you're taking the piss out of me it is the sad song and <laughs> It, that just that just is and always was my uh, my way of uh, you know it's like if if I became like a pressure cooker yeah emotionally then the only thing I had the only outlet I, that was I had music was music it was the only way I could get it out or if you were like even like a rice cooker like that was your rice that was my rice yeah yeah that's cool man yeah and I learned to make you know like a like a sous chef like yeah. a Japanese sous chef I learned <laughs> yeah. to make the rice so many times um you know, day in, day out, that eventually I became a... A, um, a restaurateur. Gen yeah, like a... I was going to say Michelin star, but that would be... Okay. A, that would that would be, high, you know, no, highly self-aggrandizing. I think that's easy to say, man. I think a master of, <laughs> of 
of musical I got, taste. I got good at rice. Yeah, 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 to yeah. Put it, put it <laughs> simply. I want to let you know if your New Year's goals are to manage your budget better and to save money, then you need rocket money. It's that simple. That's right. You can say goodbye to last year's outdated, disorganized methods of managing your money and say hello to rocket money. The best way to hack your finances in 2023. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. That's right. You have maybe Netflix or uh, Butcher Bobby. And yet every month some dude's sending you a, a, a filet of something. Deer meat, veal, uh, human. Damn, I may be seeing your name. You, don't, you, know, you don't know shit. You're eating it. You know, maybe you're eating a steak and it had a, it was a damn set of keys in it. Like, damn, all right. But this company helps you keep tabs on what you're paying for because a lot of these subscription services make it too hard to cancel. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash Theo. That's rocketmoney.com slash Theo. Rocketmoney.com slash Theo. Blue Chew, baby. Get them. Get them, baby. Get them wiener lifters, baby. You know what I'm saying? Put that stilt in your meat, son. Up that wiener, dog. You know what I'm saying, Blue Chew. You don't like swallowing pills? No problem. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tidalafil tablets are chewable. You can chew them. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so there's no doctor's visits, no awkward conversations. Hey, buddy. A wiener. You don't even have to do it. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. Ships right to your door. I've got them. I dig them. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA. That's it. Here's a special deal for you guys. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code THEO at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W dot com. Promo code THEO to receive your first month for free. Well, I think, uh, like, you know, I'm kind of a, I don't want to say your music is for, like, emotional people, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to judge your music. You know, I'm a kind of an emo kind of guy, like, yeah. in a lot of ways. I Sometimes, yeah, your, your, your songs, it's almost like, <clears throat> I feel like the length of your song is, like, the length that takes a tear to go from, like, an eye to a cheek sometimes. You <laughs> know, strange, like, some songs, yeah. Yeah. some of them are more ballads, you know? Yeah. Um, some I feel like it's like somebody like hitchhiking just through like a bunch of emotions, kind of. Mm. Um, yeah, they're all they're very, they're like highly emotional things. Also, yeah, that's why it seems so specific to me. What you do, yeah. it's like, God, this seems like it's not like somebody laid some cement. Mm. It's like each thing here is like a somebody put a step here, right. and this one is a certain depth from the soil, and it's a certain softness to it of the stone or whatever it Mm. is it seems very intentional yes yeah actually i think there's there's two there's 
good and bad that can come from being so intentional and being perceived to be so intentional right so sometimes it's not intentional and it just seems like it is mm. because I'm improvising and and I was just feeling a certain way and it just came out like that and then I just edited it and just like put it in the song right and so in moments like that I think when the perception becomes okay you're super intentional and you're and you're always in control ultimately it leads to a place where you have to keep up a, a keep up that image but 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 b people don't question you you know people will just like assume that you know what you're doing and when you're working with people they're just like oh well, i'm sure he knows what he's doing i'm sure that's fine i'm right. sure that's good and they just gaslight themselves because it might just be shit it might just be not a good melody or not a good lyric or whatever oh so it can almost corner you in a way you're yeah own. definitely Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, people don't tend to... And it's brave of you to notice that and just say that. Like, yeah, sometimes my own ability or how people perceive some of my ability yeah. can then corner me into a place where I'm not getting probably earnest feedback yeah. on if something is sure. quality enough for the situation or not. Yeah, and also people, because they're not as advanced at exactly the thing you do, they might be as advanced at something else. Right. But because they're not as advanced at exactly the thing you do, and the exact way that you came up, build, you know, doing that up the mountain, um, you, you're not speaking the same language. You know, they, they don't, they don't feel that they have the knowledge to confront you on the idea that's not good. Sometimes, ah, oh, I could see that too. Especially, well, yeah. that's one thing I was going to say about when I met you, since you're taller and British or mm. sound British anyway. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh man, you seem older than you are, and not saying you're not a, per, a great age, but you. I'm when a, I first met you, I'm I'm 34. Just are you really just turned 34? Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank man. you very much. But I thought that you were a lot. It just it gives you a wiseness, I think, to people that maybe you don't even know. I think so. That probably adds into the same thing where it's like, oh man, this guy's a dang wizard. You know? <laughs> Do you think there's um? For an American person, anyway, I'd be like, "Yeah." This no, dude. I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think people have a, you know, do you believe in old souls and young souls and yeah. stuff like that? I don't know how much. I mean, it's obviously not something I could prove, but I think these, these kind of um, phrases mean something, mm. uh, right? I don't know if they always mean exactly what you know the the literal sense of like you know, someone having been here many times or whatever, but whatever people are trying to say when they say that. Right. I do identify with that. I've always felt like... A little a, haunted. It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't mean that I'm... <laughs> it doesn't mean that I'm, like, in any way a wizard or in any way, like... No. Because I think, actually, if anything, I'm inferior. I, I feel kind of uh insufficient in a lot of ways it's it's, it's well, you're a desk clerk at that point you're running you're running a hotel for souls for souls yeah right <laughs> you know like you're or at a certain point yeah <clears throat> sorry to step on you there no 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 but i think that's kind of what it, it's like if it feels like some people it feels like it's their first time through the galaxy you know you meet them it's like oh this is a mm -hmm. baby soul it feels like 
And it's not even judging that having, if you feel like you resonate with being an old soul, that it makes you better or anything. No, it doesn't. It just makes you, you're a damn, you know. You can be more cynical. You can be more sort of jaded. You can be, yeah. you can feel kind of. Um, too uh, much. You can feel too much. You can yeah, easily overwhelmed. You can feel maybe, I mean, and these, these obviously these character traits don't aren't just applied to the old soul, but they can be applied to any like couple of different character or personality types and and like there's also all sorts of psychological analyses and assessments that you could put on this but uh i think i feel sometimes i mean my job extends beyond produce i mean i'm a producer mm -hmm. but i feel a lot of the time like a therapist and and like a therapist a lot of therapists are very fucked up yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not people who you should necessarily take um you know all of your uh life lessons from the or or indeed they might not be practicing exactly <laughs> <laughs> what they preach <laughs> but you know they're also people who've who've uh who've got an overwhelming sense of uh empathy and probably yeah. quite easily overwhelmed themselves and and they've learned to like learned to vocalize what it is that they're feeling so that other people can can vocalize what they're feeling yeah, you know, I think I realized... <clears throat> and obviously I haven't gone to school to be a therapist. No. And I'm nothing like a therapist in, in any way. Mm, I don't know, man. I think that... But your music might be, right? Right. And that's okay. And that's that's what's interesting sometimes about having any sort of gift in the world. I believe everybody has some gift. It could be... Some people's smile might be their song. It's like, man, they just smile at you. And mm. it is like... It can lift you up just as much as hearing like, you know... Um, some Michael McDonald or something, you yeah. know, or some uh, trying to think of something good. Love Michael McDonald. Yeah, or Nelly or something. Nelly, but um, Love Nelly. how did you draw the line between Michael McDonald and Nelly? How did that? I was just trying to get some diversity. Just in two there. therapy. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get. I think I was trying to get diversity. Right. And Nelly two therapeutic guys. Well, Nelly was the last time I think that a lot of white people felt like they could really dance. Honestly. It's interesting when he came out with country grammar, and this is almost a little bit before your time. But when he came with, country, no, I remember it. Yeah, God, I remember feeling like, I remember thinking, "This is an amazing song," and I still can't dance. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it was we. It was just our last hurrah. I feel like right. with the with the legs, you with know. The, it was the last Caucasian hurrah. The, anything. So when things were still moving below the hips. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So how how did you? So in terms of like your, because I want to know more about the connection between your emotional, your upbringing and comedy and why, why you sort of went into it. Like what, what were there moments where you got a laugh from saying something in a, in a certain way and, and, and it helped the situation. It helped like your mm. relationship with someone or it stopped the situation from going b badly or whatever. It became like almost like a, you know, um, diplomatic kind of tool or whatever. I think, um, you know, I think I didn't have a lot of feelings as a kid. I didn't have a lot of like comfortable feelings probably. Right. You know, there wasn't a lot of comfort in our home and there was a lot of question marks. Mm. And not a lot of information. Right. So there wasn't a lot of information. Um, there was a lot of, 
attention to uh, learning. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom made sure that we were learning. Um, like um, reading and... Yeah, reading, doing our homework, you know, uh, <clears throat> but always reading. And my mm-hmm. mother was an English major. Um, That's interesting. So she, you know, knew words and she would use big words and she would use words that they would try to kick out of our town. You know, I remember they would yeah. come with torches when she'd use certain words. They'd never <laughs> seen it, you know. They'd be like, she's a witch, you know, yeah. she's a whore. <laughs> and my dad would be like, I wish she was, you know. And it was, so it was like, you know, my mom really probably had one of the best vocabularies in our town. Right. Um, but I didn't have much affection for my mother, and that's okay. She didn't have a lot to give. And mm-hmm. so I think I probably somewhere in my head thought that, well, if I have words, if I'm using words, maybe she'll see me. You know, or if I'm... Wow. If, and when I'm, once I started to make people laugh, I'm like, oh, man, they... You can make somebody. I just never knew if I was if I was okay to my mother. I never knew if I was approved of by her. So once she, I saw she somebody, withheld the approval. Yeah, I don't, and I don't even know if she knew she was. She didn't know she was doing. No, it. No, people sometimes right. don't. Yeah, she just had like this kind of emotional kind of autism where she didn't understand that that was necessary. And so I think once I saw somebody laugh, it was like, oh, right. It was like I'm okay for a minute. Got it. You know, and so then I think that just became an addiction that was beyond. I didn't have a choice at that point, but yeah, was, you're just compelled to do it. It was uh, yeah, because I you have to I think feel okay at certain points as a human. Absolutely, yeah, and you also know? all of it is a survival thing. I mean, it's like anything that you had to do, even the things that you're ashamed of. Um, yeah, ultimately have to be chalked up to something that got you by, something that kind of helped you survive um yeah i'm grateful that our arts at least aren't like looked down upon very much by society because a lot of people they end up into the dark arts or things that are mm. you know more taboo mm-hmm. and it's just their survival methods you know mm. i mean i look at like strippers and you know some sex workers and stuff like that sometimes like oh they're just trying to you know express themselves or something well yeah i mean it, I, I also it's just it's just a job, isn't it? And I guess, I guess the, I'm not overly educated on the complexities of, of sex work, but I, I'd say. I would do a little. I probably, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately it's. If it came down to it to feed your family. Got to do what you got to do. Um, I, I mean, I, I felt like I was compelled to do music. Did you? Well, it sounds like it, even from that story of like, you know, you're like, I'm going to go in the other room here if my buddy's being a, a real prick and I'm going to express myself. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just interesting how our expression comes out. Like, yeah, um, I mean, it. What, maybe it was the, I, wa- I wonder if it's written, it's kind of written, the writings on the wall from the moment you kind of. Oh, that is it destiny or is it like. Well, it's like, I, I don't really believe in people being naturally talented particularly i don't really believe in kind of genetic predis i mean maybe predisposition um or like some inherited kind of consciousness but i don't really believe in people being like born with a gift and shit like that so do you believe that music like so you are very inclined especially i don't know all the instruments you play james so i've just got to pat this down because it so easily looks like i've got an erection in this thing it it kind of like tense up like that very 
very easily. Do do it. Sell I mean, so I'm having a good time, but I just try to make you know. Sell some tickets, bro. Raise that <laughs> tent, man. I could do a revival in there, man. It's good. <laughs> um, is piano like your main instrument? Is that okay to say or no? Uh, yeah, mean, you play 100%. other instruments. No, no, no. It is my main instrument. Yeah. Right, because when I see you on stage, you're at the keyboard of the piano. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you feel like that? Yeah, that art, say art is just like an energy and it's going to come out of people. It's going to find its way out into the world because it's just the way the whole world is kind of put together that the energy mm-hmm. has to come out. Mm-hmm. And so it finds its way through you. So you can harness it or adjust to it, mm-hmm. but that it's, or you can choose to use it or not. Maybe if you never even get to the keys and it just kind of hits a cul-de-sac inside of you. Yeah, yeah. Is that kind of more what you feel like? It's just that's a nice way of putting it. I think um, I sometimes feel sorry for musicians and and artists and stuff, rather than kind of uh, mythologize them or or kind of um, put them on a pedestal. Because in order for you to have arrived at that point where you need music as your your expression, something had to happen. You know, and something had to make you boil over so much that there was only one way that was going to be, you know, and it, and it just ha- happened to be this. Um, but it's not necessarily the most comfortable life, not to say it's the worst life. I mean, I've, I'm, I feel super privileged to do what I do and I'm uh, very lucky, um, but I'm also one of the lucky ones, you know, there's millions of musicians who are not rewarded in in the same way for for basically expressing a lot of pain and it's not an efficient method of doing it either like i don't really feel that much better after i make a song if i'm depressed i'm just depressed if i'm anxious i'm just anxious if i'm sad i'm just sad you know making a song isn't going to fix that and I had to find other ways eventually, but it felt like if we were to use the extend the pressure cooker, pressure, uh, pressure cooker analogy, it's like through art, I was basically just like letting a little steam out every now and again, but I was never just like turning it off. Mm. You know, it's like I wanted to turn it off. I wanted to stop the endless swell of pain and anxiety and depression and stem the flow and and i had to find other ways to do that and once i did that i was able to look at music a bit more objectively and it didn't have to it didn't have to prove everything it didn't have to be everything all at once it uh. didn't there was less pressure on the songs I, I i didn't have to like be the biggest artist i didn't have to like prove myself to the people the kids at school i didn't have to prove myself to even myself, you know, the, or less anyway. I mean, there's always going to be a bit of all of those things. Yeah. Um, but there's less pressure on the art. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, because when you identify with it so much, which is what happens sometimes as you get successful, mm-hmm. it's like, this is it. This is all you, not this is all you are, but there's, you've become so like in tandem with it that everything you do, every, if you put out one wrong thing, yeah. you become so close to your thing. Like 
it's not just fluid anymore. Yeah. It feels like uh, they're attached on you like sloths kind of, and you can't get them off or you're afraid to let them just kind of just leave them on the path of the forest, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting because some of your music, I, f- I feel like I'm like Eeyore, like Eeyore that showed up at a rave kind of, you know? <laughs> uh, which is kind of perfect for me. I can totally see why, like... That's, that is who I am. I, okay, good. Thank you for, for noticing me. <laughs> Thank you for letting me judge you, man. Because I'm not winning the poo. Yeah, and I'm not Christopher Robin. No, even though, but that's the that's the. I think you might be. You. I think you might be Christopher. Robin. I don't know. Maybe I got to look at some of his. You head. might be winning the poo. Actually, I think I'm crossed up. I think they had a child. I yeah, it could have been. I mean, who knows? They, they, been they walked off into the sunset, and yeah. after that, we don't really know. Do we? <laughs> I know. We're missing a few chapters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A.A. <laughs> Milne let us down. Um, what was it? So, was there a kind of a moment? Because you and I have talked about this, and it's, I forget some of the things you and I have talked about. Because you and I, our friendship has just kind of had a hiatus through the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, because I stayed in California, really, where I wasn't allowed out of my house. Yeah, you you, were, you moved to. Was it Nashville? Tennessee, 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 yeah. yeah. Where people are just, yeah, we're out here. Yeah. People are just sneezing down each other's orifices, you know? Yeah. Just testing the theory. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Everybody has hep C now, but nobody has COVID. (laughs) Yeah, they they got everything else. (laughs) Um, But yeah, was it, because I remember there was, I think I remember there was a time where you kind of were, like, you, you and I talked about different modalities for relieving, like, um, whether it be depression or whatever's mm-hmm. going on in our lives. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. did you have a time where you kind of came to a head with some of that sort of stuff? I did during the pandemic. Oh, you, sure. you tried to get me on an EMDR, I Yes, I did. I I, uh, I was evangelizing EMDR. And I even went. I even went a few times. And, and I, yeah. And I see, I see a woman now with, with EMDR. That's amazing, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, th- I remember you saying it helped. and and But initially, the thing was with EMDR is that you, you don't really... You don't go and then afterwards you like necessarily feel what's happened it has this very strange slightly sci-fi effect on you where you don't even remember feeling the way you felt when you went in Mm. um tiny bit men in black uh so a lot of people kind of come out of it and going you know oh yeah I i don't really think anything happened but then they stop the pattern they've been in yeah, and they don't even realize, and they're just like, "Oh, I didn't, um, you know, I didn't endlessly turn on and off the the hob and like check to see if it was still on or whatever the OCD thing is, or like they didn't, they don't, that pattern just isn't manifesting anymore because the trauma that leads to it has been disconnected uh, from feeling it." Yeah, it is kind of black mirror, huh? It's like Tiny you kind bit. of go behind the scenes and adjust a cable or something. And yeah. then the next time, like your Christmas tree lights blink, they don't blink in that weird way that was uncomfortable or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's is... behind the bookcase in, in yeah. uh, Interstellar. Yeah, it's kind of behind the bookcase. Yeah. Um, did you, are there other modalities and stuff that you've tried? Um, I did mushrooms, yeah. which was quite very helpful for me, actually. I mean, I, I go into a really bad depression when I take mushrooms because um, I think I'm allergic to them or something. And just, wow. it just kind of, I, I go get really depressed for a couple of days. Um, afterwards or not during? Afterwards, yeah. No, during is amazing. I, I, love, I love them, but I've only done them a few times. But every time I've done them, something's changed in my life, like majorly changed. Um, 
I've either given up an addiction or I've, you know, for example, I, I came off Twitter, uh, or stop even stop kind of really using it. Um, because I was kind of checking it all the time and like being quite engaged in it and invested in, in kind of what, how I was doing, you know, how other people's opinions and, and even other people's opinions of what I was saying and, you know, very overwhelming place for an artist to, someone who's easily overwhelmed but also i think it's an overwhelming place for a lot of people um and maybe they're not admitting it uh but uh and stressful yeah um it feels stressful even hearing you say it yeah and and um and it was kind of at a point where a lot of conversations were reaching a kind of fever pitch um politically and i just felt trepidatious about even being involved because I felt like all of my real life conversations were really compassionate and empathetic and mm -hmm. loving, even if we didn't agree on something, you know, like ours, like we don't always agree on everything, but we, we just, you know, we approach each conversation with love and respect. So, you know, but on Twitter, it was like the opposite of that. It felt like if you didn't have the right opinion for the, for the group, you know, you, you were, you you're sort of out of the group or whatever whichever group that is right and i just felt really over time really really stressed about that dynamic and and um took mushrooms one day uh we were sort of on a like a road trip and uh we were sitting by a pool and i think this was the first time i actually ever did them was during the pandemic um, and I remember saying to my friend, I don't, I'm not really sure these are doing anything. Um, yeah, it's how they sneak you. Right. And then he goes, well, you've, you've been taking a photo, you've been taking photographs of that same flower for the last two hours. And I noticed it and I looked down at my phone and there was like 400, I was like scrolling through this 400 photographs of this flower. It's a really beautiful flower, but, um, in hindsight, probably the mushrooms had something to do with that <laughs> so um i <laughs> so i just looked down at my phone opened twitter and it just looked like a vortex oh yeah it was a very very strange like it was like fragmenting at the edges you know like a like an actual vortex um and it looked like extremely dark energy it's hard to describe it um, in sober word wording, but it was, you know, at the time I would would have just kind of felt this horrible um, kind of anxiety looking yeah. at it. And I just there and then deleted the app and just put the phone down and just got on with my day. And I didn't reinstall it. Um, and there were a couple of other things I did as well. I did it with Instagram. I did it with like a few other, because I just noticed that the phone and actually the phone itself was like, just looked like oh, it was yeah. like charged with horrible, like nebulous, like dark energy, like felt like a black hole basically. Yeah. And it felt like it was like drawing me towards it, but not in a good way, like in a way that um, made me feel like I was dying. So I just thought, no, I'm th that's telling me something. This right. is right. You know, I also noticed the way my dog reacts to my phone. He very often pulls it away, but also just just won't engage with it 
he'll only engage with me and if i'm engaging with it then he'll he'll just kind of walk off wow so it's almost like here's a piece of life telling you hey yes. man that's not life yes yeah that's what's very well put that's what's that's interesting exactly. about mushrooms man it'll give you a little clue like i did this ayahuasca treatment and i came home right and I cut on like Dateline or some like murder show or something. Oh wow! And at, yeah, it's probably <clears throat> is that is that is that advised? Was that did your shaman <laughs> tell you to do that? I would say unadvised. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'd say I was working. You know, I was going off script. Mm. Um, do you have another water too, Zach? Do you mind, please, with him? Um, oh, thank you. So I was going off script, but I, I turned it on, and it, there was everything in me was like. Don't you see how bad this is? Someone died, and you're sitting here watching it as like a wow. And it wasn't. It was. It wasn't a Dateline episode. It was like a um some murder, like invest. Yeah, yeah. But something that was like really dark. So it it kind of uh, exposes the. Thank you, mate. Yeah, yeah. It exposes sometimes like it's just a level of truth that I think the addictiveness of modern day yeah. society that we're not able to feel anymore. And it almost yeah. feels like something that you would have felt like a long time ago in like your ancestral, like, right. If you, if you lived in a, in a more sort of primitive, like back in the day, like more, you know, no technology, no. And, and it, it's, it's as if somebody handed it to you then. Yeah. You'd be like, this is and bad. And goes, and goes, um, you know, when you wake up, you're going to check this and you're going to scroll through all the things that are happening way outside of your group. Um, you're going you're gonna to check for the opinions of others and they're going to tell you how you're going to feel today. Mm. And you're going to watch a bunch of videos and you're going to watch a bunch of people have sex uh, and you're going to watch and you're going to like play games on here. They're not here. They're not in front of you with all these other people. They're not interactions with real people. You're going to play games on this thing, um, and most of your interaction, it, you know, you're 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 going to you're going to look at this for at least twelve hours a day. And when you set this that, down, you're going to feel like there's nothing of you. When you set it down, you're going to be unsatisfied with what the the, what the world is like, oh. because this thing is going to stimulate you so much. If somebody told you that when you had no technology and you'd never seen anything like that before, you would tell them to fuck off immediately. Yeah. Get away from me with that fucking dark magic. I don't want to ever see you again. <laughs> this show and episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We are grateful for them. BetterHelp, if you've had, uh, you know, if you've had problems like I've had, Organizing your brain, keeping your thoughts on track, getting into the mechanics of your brain. Sometimes you can't get under your own hood. That's the tough part. You don't know the right questions to ask yourself. And you can't do it alone. That's the thing. You can't do it alone. Better help can help. Working with a therapist, they will help you get closer to the best version of you. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, better help is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and it's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. That's right. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling you're just not showing up to life in the way that you want to, BetterHelp can help. They've helped me. 
If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash Theo today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash T-H-E-O, betterhelp.com slash Theo. I love how even your meanness is pretty kind. I don't want to ever see you yeah. again. But you'd you kill would. them. You oh, might you kill would. them. Yeah, you might kill them. You, you might would. kill them and throw this thing away so that no other human ever had to see it. experience this. Yeah. And just, I mean, it, it goes on, you know, all your friends, all your friendships are going to be kind of regulated through this thing well you don't have a voice anymore it's like the talent if you get up and just stand up on a soapbox now and speak you look like insane you look, you insane. look insane right if you if you were to <laughs> yes <laughs> that's the crazy part too so it's like we're all cor- there's no if i got up and just said like one of the more mundane tweets that i've ever sent you know uh hoping that a lot of people would be like yeah me too yeah like yeah and then it would just like spin into virality and you just said it in the street on a on a soapbox or you just got up and said it people would be like are you all right yeah go home this guy's not doing good yeah he's he's saying he's saying strange relatable mundane things yeah but i'm on my way to work and I need to go and get a coffee. And it's not. Somebody would be like, you queer. We can take that out. But somebody would, <laughs> but somebody would yell something like that. I'd be like, know. maybe. <laughs> but, you know, but also, but por- also porridge can be made with milk and, <laughs> and uh, also water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't you know? Spread yeah. the news. Yeah, it's amazing with oat milk. Um, you know, you've you're, some of your journey with music as an outsider, you know, I didn't know even much about your genre of music until I met you and I remember... My girlfriend at the time, Megan, I think it was, we came to see you perform at a church over in... It the was Presbyterian a, Church, or was it... Um, in in downtown? Was that, the, that wasn't the Wiltern. It might be the Presbyterian Church. Yeah, it was like a cool nighttime was show. Was it actually a church? I think it was. Yeah, then it was Presbyterian, I think. Cause... It was like some special show you were doing or something. It was really yeah. amazing. Um, Thanks, man. When I got into more of your music, I listened. Like in the beginning, you had a lot of, or I don't know the total beginning, but early on, some of the stuff you released, like these EPs that had like, it was just a lot of beats and sounds and, yeah. you know, kind of wanderings. and Less like lead vocals, more, more yeah. kind of abstract like collages of shit yeah yeah was it scary to then put your voice out there did you always know you were going to because your voice is like a big thing especially for someone who comes from a place of like you know uncertainty or shyness or you Mm -hmm. know some of the realms that we've talked about like emotionally like was that scary to put your voice out or did it seem like just the next instrument it was i mean there was a lot of there was a lot of toxic masculinity floating around especially at that time but like I remember when the first, like one of my earliest memories was um, I was upstairs in my parents' house and I was like 12 or 13 or something. And I was playing, what I used to do, one of the ways I learned to train, I trained my ear, which I didn't realize I was doing, but I just enjoyed doing it, was I'd play to records. So I'd put a CD on. And I sit at my like keyboard, like you know, cheap, just piano keyboard thing, like electronic kind of thing. Think uh, Ross from Friends, mm-hmm. you know, doing the thing, uh, pressing the 
little drum thing and playing. Yeah. And then playing to the CD and learning all the like vocal runs and like learning how to play the chords and like Stevie Wonder and like Mariah Carey and all these people. And I was playing at the time I was playing with the Whitney Houston song. Uh, I can't remember the name of the song. Very famous song. I will always uh, love you. That no, no, no. It was, it was. I believe the children of the future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Yeah, you still remember the lyrics. Amazing. Yeah. So good. that one, I loved that song, and I was playing it, and <laughs> the so the chords fun. are amazing. They're like very, the you know they're a tiny bit cheesy. It's a bit of a cheesy song, but it's like one of the best ever slightly cheesy songs pop songs and so anyway i'm and i'm singing it at the top of my lungs and the windows open and my i've got a couple of friends who live four doors down right and i'm playing very loud i didn't realize the windows open open the windows it's your first song on the radio basically basically yeah and it's it's me it's me broadcasting this yes. extremely kind of I'd say at that point, you know, being a being a, a young man, uh very Billy Elliot type moment. Very, very very yeah, like very like I'd say in terms of our understanding of masculinity at the time, not not the most masculine thing I could be doing. Right. Right. And I remember at the time one of them shouting some homophobic slur yeah. from three doors down. Oh dang! And and just being like, you sound like probably yeah. You know? And and it really like crushed me at the time because I didn't see music through a lens of like sexuality or and I didn't see the problem in being gay or being bi or being anything. I I just was like, but I did understand that there was a social kind of rejection of being gay and a social you know all that and i just kind of froze and like st i started to associate music and singing with something shameful and feminine and like ah. all these things that like were not not accepted it went from like a hundred meter dash to like just like hurdles now like yes. you're like now these these different things i have to make sure that they check enough of these yeah things like to don't be, be okay. too like don't be mm. too don't express yourself too much because then you're this and don't and so you know i sort of kept and it wasn't just that but there was a mul multiple reasons why and they really showed anyone that i sang i would go to the practice rooms uh at school every day and i was you know very often like extremely sad and depressed and kind of going in there and just playing and fucking crying and like being you know so very british very huh? british is that british extreme kind of? well no the british thing to do is to is to um is to not find an outlet at all and then just oh. abuse somebody oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. whether it be A you continent. know physically or emotionally or or indeed you know in, in any other way just just find someone to to kind of um or or not even just someone but everyone yeah just like make other people uh experience the pain that you're supposed to process wow so uh i actually found a way i found an outlet so i didn't have to like be a cunt to everyone else basically and i um found myself 
just keeping it a secret. Um, that you had this talent. Yeah, like or that the, you were expressing I could yourself sing. this way. Yeah, that I could <clears throat> sing and and that I could sing. You know, by that point, I was a good singer. I was by the time I've been singing since I was two. Yeah, I mean, you like, hit some notes where I'm checking my watch. I'm like, is this note going to end? This dude is. <laughs> My gosh, it's like waiting for a long train to pass. I feel like there's <laughs> one of those American yeah, yeah, huge long like, trains. Jesus, come God, this guy's just the Amtrak. This guy's riding this yeah. the B flat to yeah. north. <laughs> um, yeah, so so that's you know like I ended up to cut a long story short. Uh, eventually, I started a little bit singing in like school, like assemblies and shit. But I generally just kept it quiet. And then when I was making music I, I i think i carried over that that uh shame and i just you know the dance music scene was super male dominated um and a lot of the discussion around it is like it, it's very uh it was very toxically masculine at the time and so when i started to sing there were a lot of comments a bit similar to what the guy had shouted oh, at me yeah, three doors down you know like just very like and but they did they couldn't say like because you know things had moved on and 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 they were adults and, the, and they were they didn't want to like expose themselves as being homophobic or or whatever but they were saying stuff that kind of like almost dog whistling like you do, you can't do this because that's this you know right 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 and and kind of just discouraging me from expressing myself basically it's such a weird pattern of comfort that there's almost a comfort in people even doing that yeah it's like this old thing it's like you know i would always envision like there's a <clears throat> there's some black as kids on a white guy's lawn and the black guy comes out and yells the n-word but then he goes inside and he's learning the moonwalk you know it's like what's the analogy there i'm trying to trying to put it together mm. <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to understand what you what you mean I think it's that somebody will just say something that they like has been like part of a pattern. Okay. But then they don't even realize they're going inside and now they're trying to learn like a black guy's day. They've been practicing. So the white guy is saying the N word or the black guy is. The white guy or the white guy's. Oh, I see. Sorry. So they've, they're, they're culture, they're racially kind of um, living a double existence. In the yeah. And you don't even realize it. It's like. Because then they're not, they're like, they have like hate. They're saying hateful things, but ultimately they they still. But they're also learning part of this culture. At this, they're learning like a music or a dance got or it. something of this got culture it, at the same it. time. Yeah, they they're, they're <clears throat> confused basically. Yeah, or just yeah. like some things are just patterns. They're not the best patterns, and you know, obviously, but some of the even hateful things people say are just like yeah. they don't know what else to say. They're ingrained. Yes. Also, they can be so deeply ingrained in people as a kind of like uh, form of expression that they're not even aware of what the words what they mean yeah what they, they they lose there's a thing oh, called semantic yeah. association where you where in the moment you can say a word so many times that it loses its meaning completely and you know like cactus if you said that like 400 times in, or even probably 10 times in a row you start it just starts to be a word that has no power whatsoever or, or any connotation it just becomes like a shape of sound well you hear that even with music you hear a song so many times it's like oh yeah. I'm going to listen to this my whole road trip. And then yeah, at the 30th time you're done, you know? Yes. Um, so is there another evolution you start to feel like for your music and not that you need one or anything, but <clears throat> yeah, I think we always need one. 
yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I always wanted, but even by bump. putting your voice in, right? So at mm -hmm. one point it was like, okay, I'm going to put my voice in, like that's yeah. something new and different for me, kind of, or or put my voice out there to people, attached yeah. to my music. Um, do yeah. you feel like there's just? I'm just trying to think, like, what would something else even look like? I guess like a band or oh yeah, well you know I I kind of have a band that we play with live, but it, I there is um there's always a a slight insecurity in me that like i'm not shift i'm not changing up enough the next every phase that we go into like whether it's a new album or, or something like that but i've tended to find that the the three-piece band that i play with is just the, the best for for me and it's always kind of been that way uh and but singing is like it's a form of expression unlike anything I've ever had. Yeah. And I cool. guess I just I I just love doing it and it really like it feels great and it's it's it just it always it's always challenging and it's like even just staying on the note. Like I, I have this voice where you I can kind of easily fall off the note and it almost sounds like I'm about to fall off the note, but I but hopefully I don't. Sometimes I just do. Um but I don't have the most pure clear voice you know someone like Whitney Houston for example is just like you know super defined notes a lot of mine are quite um precarious I think I'm yeah it's a perfect example kind of of you it's I don't know man it's really interesting to know you and hear your music mm. um same with your comedy it's interesting to see it's how, kind of fascinating because it, it I, one thing I, I always sort of um found fascinating was just how you've internalized your childhood and and like the way people like all of your memories of of all the stories you have of like where you grew up are so vivid i can't remember most of the people in my town i mean i remember some of them but i feel like we grew up in pretty different places and and a lot of the things that you remember and pick up on of the people that you grew up around, maybe it's the way you're telling them, but a lot of fucked up shit happened near you. Oh, yeah, a lot of pervs, I think. <laughs> we grew up around there, a lot of people perving out. Well, I think when people don't have much, they play with their body, you know? Or they're like, you know, you get reduced to kind of real limbic type of behaviors, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. sexual or perved out or, you know, and especially you get out there in the rural areas where people aren't as educated. There's a lot more kind of, you know, I don't want to say incest, but people touching each other a little early. Yeah. You know, in that sort of behavior. And I, I grew up in, you know, the kind of the countryside uh, or not? It's not the countryside. It's like did y'all have a horse or anything? Towards the end. Didn't have a horse. Okay. Um, That's where I draw the line. I did meet a couple. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I didn't uh, ever ride one. And um, <laughs> I just, I just, I like. There were characters where where I was from, definitely. Um, but I think I don't. I guess I don't draw on them as inspiration. Yeah. Because they probably, I tr I probably avoided most people. I think. 
Ah. Whereas I think you must have just been more like viscerally attached. Yeah, we were more loose out just seeing stuff, you know. Yeah, there right. Was not much like supervision or like. Yeah. And I didn't want to be at home. My father was so old. My mother was gone. There was like a clean. There was like a um babysitter around. Mm. So it was just so like I don't know. It's just just being out and about you know and then your imagination becomes so big because you something needs to have some value to you so your imagination creates like a lot like i think it pays attention to a lot of stuff yeah and it uh you wants, attached it sorry go it wants you to have a bigger world so your maybe right. your imagination gets attached to something else inside of you and they kind of grow synonymously maybe yeah because do you feel like when you go into rooms with people in like Hollywood or, or or even just anywhere you are, do you feel like your imagination is sort of overgrown in a way that theirs hasn't? Do you do you sometimes feel like uh like you've still got the curiosity of about people and about like things that a lot of people seem to have like you have quite a um quite a like zest for that kind of thing that like a lot of people don't seem to don't seem to have like an opposite you know you're you're keen to like observe the the thing that a lot of people wouldn't have noticed which mm. you know is i mean that I, in itself is like a is like a a love of life it's not even though like i know that you've gone through a lot and you've and you've talked about you know bouts of depression and bouts of and you're kind of not being interested and stuff but it's like even at your least interested even at your least engaged with humanity and everything, you still seem so curious. Well, thanks, man. I think, um, well, some of it is, I think you have to, you start to develop a sense. I need to know what is very important to this person that's in front of me right now, because if I need them, right. Or if I need to let them know, I need communication from them or I need them to see me, I need to be able to get to them immediately. So maybe there's a part in you that's like, oh, you can tell this about them, or you can tell this, or you could you know, see by the way that they turn their neck or fix their hair or put something in their pocket that you can envision this bigger world behind them that you can either make a way for it to be funny to them or it can be really acute to them and it can be very factual. Maybe sometimes I think it's develop. I think you just develop this sense in case I need someone. Yeah. Um, I need everything I can get to show this person that I may, that I can attach to them. Like a, like a, like a, um, like a detective. Yeah, I think it is. I think a part of you kind of becomes some type of a detective, you know? Cause it's like you're noticing stuff on people, you know, it's like when de- in detective shows where they're like, yeah, well, you know, his, his right, but his right shoe had a, lace untied yeah which means that recently he was and it's like he's the kind of person who he's he's not no he's he's, he doesn't have ocd he's not he's you know he's not paying attention he's he's loose he can he can't be trusted but you know it's like they'll draw all these conclusions from just like one aspect of someone's uh appearance or something but you would also do it on the other side you would know what could hurt that person right you know right and you could know have you ever used that and then regretted it oh yeah i think growing up especially as a defense mechanism you would use it yeah. around our house like with communicating with my brothers and sisters it was the only way we communicated was uh very rudely uh making fun there was no like affection nobody like taught us you got to be brothers and sisters. there was no so you just find the thing that you thought was gonna like cut them down cut them down and oh. just i just 
just go for it. Right when they walked in the door. Amazing. So it was every, I mean, it was just. I was surprised that you didn't um, sort of comment on this ridiculous uh, onesie that I'm wearing. Well, we've only had one other person that's worn something like that. Right. Robbie Williams. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But he dressed like a train conductor. Bring up Robbie Williams. You look like damn sling blade. Uh, (laughs) You look unbelievable. (laughs) He looked like. I've got to see this. Oh, yeah. Bring him up when he was on here if you can. He was really on this podcast. I'd love there to he see is. Him. Yeah, oh, look at him. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, he looks like we've basically dressed the same. Except I, so he's wearing a. We're both wearing dungarees, but I look like I've grown through mine, <laughs> yeah. like just an extra two foot up because mine are lower. Yeah, but he came in. I mean, he definitely looked like, "Hey, you're late for the train," you know. He definitely right. came in like he's got conductor on it written all over his. Yeah, totally. Yeah, he had kind of a sling blade gets a job at Amtrak sort of vibe going on. Amtrak with a with an Apple Watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely it's not going to be late. Never yeah. to be late again. Not yeah. this train. <laughs> um, but it was fast. He looks it was, great. Oh, I haven't it, seen Robbie Williams in a long time. He's, he looks great. I think he's the only other British person. Oh, and Michael Bisping. Oh wow. So three yeah. Brit- three really interesting different British people that we've had on here. Yeah. Um Yeah. Only three Brits. I think so. I'm trying to think of maybe a different one. Is that uh Max Moore was from Britain. Oh, Max Day. Moore, he does the um cryonic freezing where they freeze people. Oh god. Or is he uh the freezer or the freezee? He is the freezer. Okay. Yeah, he's the freezer. He's never been yeah, I think he would. He himself is planning on getting frozen. I think, but it was just interesting to learn. He's about never done that. it himself. I would never go to someone who's never done it. Themselves. Well, there's only one way to do it. You have to die. Right. It's that thing. That's the thing. You have to die, and then you go in. Wait. So he freezes people who are dead. Yeah. Okay. They catch them right when they're about to. That's die. That's why he's never done it. Right. Yeah. I got it. So yeah, there's only one entry point. Right. Um, it seems. Yeah. It seems niche. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a good way to say it. Yeah. So what? What was it his? Really I'd love to know what his chat was like. Is it, I mean, I could just go and watch the podcast. I guess. Yeah, but what's no, his name? His name is Max Moore. So he also is named like a supervillain type of name, M A X M O R E. So he mm. he really lives this, you know. And he looks. Bring a picture of him up. He looks like he's been damn frozen and thawed out thirty times. He looks like they wanted him for dinner and then changed their mind. But um. He looks like Bill Burr. Like, I yeah. mean, he's just been in the frozen. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does look he like does. Bill Burr. Wow. He looks like he really... Uh, it's sort of a Wim Hof and Bill Burr had a... Heavy on the whim, I think. Mm. This dude is... Uh, but it, very interesting. He's the, he's the, he's the, the post... Um, yeah. He's the posthumous Wim, Wim Hof in a way, isn't he? Just with the freezing. Yeah. They're both he dealing ke- the same thing. He keeps them all. He just, you know... They have all the bodies and that sort of deal. Real interesting. He's for if if things with Wim Hof Wim Hof go wrong, he's your guy, I think. And they freeze them in like this different type of um. What was that stuff called, Zach? Do you remember? Uh, it's a certain type of gas. I forget the name of it. It's quite scary. Oh it's yeah, quite scary. Uh... But his plan, his thought is this: that if people, like already, they can take an embryo, right? They can say if your girlfriend wanted to donate eggs, right? Mm-hmm. And then they froze those eggs, which they mm-hmm. do for a lot of women now. Yeah. So they're basically freezing life before. So he's mm-hmm. saying that they could freeze you at the end also. 
and then later when they have the technology, if your DNA is still alive. People are hoping that, you know, we can get revived like a mammoth. Right. And he's saying, why not? He goes, at one point, people thought climbing up a ladder was as high as you could get to something. And then now we, you know, we can travel through space. Yeah, 100%. That's really... The ladders, I mean, I I imagine the ladder was probably invented after like uh, some of the... Space travel? Not space travel, but maybe... Oh, the hypothesis of it? Just maybe the hot air balloon. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I don't really know which came first. Dude, imagine when somebody showed up with that ladder, bro. Damn. I mean, one-eyed man in the kingdom of the blind. Oh. People, imagine all the chicks he got, too. All those wrong honeys. Yeah. I mean, it would feel feel like a celebrity, I imagine, locally. Yeah, hey, he's coming over. He's bringing it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) People with all things, like, on their shelves that they can't reach. People just hiding stuff up way high in their houses to see it. Look at him go. Just imagining how his life panned out if he, if he, um, oh, yeah, huh? you know, the inventor of the ladder, like, did he get royalties? Did he get, no, I'm sure. Imagine the dark side of it then, watching people go get stuff and you're not, you're You're not making anything off it. Yeah, you're wandering around, you know, you're cursing at people who are climbing up. Could have been a bitter older man, I imagine. Oh, I'd watch that movie. I'd watch the, I'd watch that. There's a movie in it. (laughs) I think that would be a very bad movie. It'd be a, yeah, a sad movie. (laughs) (laughs) I think you and I could make a really good sad movie, probably if we wanted. I think so. I imagine, yeah, combine both of our early lives. Yeah, we put it together. So, what what about your early life? Do you was a lot of your pressure from just like acceptance or your peers? Because obviously, if you were kind of shy and music was your scapegoat and you had these skills that were kind of frowned upon which certainly are in certain areas you know mm-hmm. um it makes you wonder how much creativity has been really stifled by an environment you know i think create i think you know sometimes i thought it was the singing the fact that you know kids just didn't really but it's also a bit like i think it's a bit like being a footballer right you know when a kid says i want to be a professional you know soccer player when i'm older in england that's like you know nfl here you know it's this almost unattainable dream that some people do genuinely break through and and make it but it's you know if if a kid says that's what they want to do you go well people go like okay but have a backup plan because probably not gonna happen yeah and music's a bit like that where it's like the odds are you're not gonna be the you're not gonna be a superstar yeah and you're probably not even going to make it as high as you want to, uh, even if you do become extremely successful, because it's never enough. So ultimately, convincing people to go into music for a living is is actually slightly uh, kind of a dubious thing to suggest, because it's it's really hard. And most people don't, you know, make it. Uh, but also there's there's also loads of ways you can be involved in music that don't you know um don't have so much pressure on them and you can make a living you can make a great living from music and not be famous and not be in the band and not be in the you know you can be working music in so many different ways um but they're not the ways that people focus on when they think of musician or what they think of like the famous ones mm. um right yeah. right right they're not some of the most uh, like uh ways that are kind of they're not the front man 
Yeah. You think of the front front people, you know. Yeah. I don't it's just advertising. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um what other things do you think about with music? Are there other worlds that you like to conquer? Like you've had such a you know, you've gotten to work with like Travis Scott and uh Beyonce, you've won a Grammy, right? Mm, for best rap performance. Yeah. <laughs> was that right? <laughs> yeah. I mean it was weird. I was actually on the way to the Grammys and they told me in, in the car that I'd won one uh for best rap performance and I so so essentially it's on this so on <laughs> so Kendrick Lamar uh-huh we were supposed to work on he asked me to work on the black panther stuff the soundtrack and then also there was this other song he was doing which i think ended up on the black panther soundtrack as well it was king's dead and i sent him this this thing it was going to be like maybe a verse i don't really know what it was but I tried something on this song. He wanted me to try be, try and be on it. Anyway, they ended up using like a very, very, very small clip of what I'd done. It was like a couple of seconds. Wow. And putting a lot of effects on it. So I, I wasn't particularly audible or it wasn't necessarily recognizably me. Now, obviously, I don't care like that. It worked really well in the song. Like they did a great job. Um, and I wasn't in any way like cut up about that like uh, i just was like nice to be included sample me cool whatever you want to do but anyway they ended up putting my name on the song as one of the features now usually a feature is something like someone does a verse or like that you know whatever so anyway i'm this thing uh and i'm not really playing a feature role but i'm my name's on it so i win a grammy they win a grammy for the song and because my name's on the actual song, rather than just like buried in the credits as a sample, you get a Grammy. Too. I actually get a Grammy. Wow! So I've got, uh, and it says best rap performance, which in, insinuates that I rap, which um, you can imagine I don't. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. Because sometimes you would think, man, they put my name on here. I'm not even really on here. This kind of met. Some people might think this is kind of messed up. They're kind of using me here. But then it's funny how sometimes things turn around and it's like, oh, here you go. I mean, it's just funny. It was just a whole, the whole situation was funny. Like I didn't, you know, because we ended up doing other songs. And yeah, yeah. So it was like, if, if that had been all they'd used, then maybe I could have felt a bit sad about it. But, you know, you've also got to think like the man's a legend the situation is legendary like the song went was a hit it went multi-platinum like i was just like cool like amazing i'm happy to be involved at all but the uh yeah just the grammy's funny i mean it's currently hidden behind a big modular synth um in my studio just poking out the back when you have uh, is your studio now fancier than your studio when you first started a little bit but it's still pretty much the same principle just a keyboard, computer, mic. Uh, it's just like probably higher end versions of those things, but quite simple, quite small. Because sometimes I think like, is it hard to get back to like the, because sometimes we look to our early stuff and like those are the moments where I really wish I could just still feel like myself, you know? I even will have old podcast clips come up and I'm like, oh man, that's when I was just really felt like, in the pocket of who I was as a person before I started right. to take any input from people's perspectives yes. of me or before stuff got out there and anybody knew who I was mm -hmm. when who I was was a secret to me. Yeah. And I was my, it was like, it was almost like I had some value for myself that once everybody knows about it, it's almost like, yeah. 
you don't not still have it, but it's not yours as much anymore. No, and you've and you've kind of shown your you've shown you, your cards, shown your cards, basically. Yeah, there's something there's so there's something so special about being a surprise. Yes, definitely, and and the underdog, and and like all these things, and like there was a time I imagine yeah. where it felt like you were people were just kind of discovering your brain and how it works, and kind of going, "Whoa, never heard anyone say anything like this or do anything like this," but you know that's a cool moment but i think that your career especially has kind of been littered with really great moments that couldn't have happened during that phase like now you have this incredible fan base of people who love the way your brain works and know the way your brain works mm. and look for and look for confirmation about how great you are and and they they're like they're watching because they can count on you to make them feel that thing that you make them feel. And, and then also not just laugh, but also be understood and like ask questions that they're too afraid to ask. And, you know, you, you get to meet all these people that they don't get to meet and they can see it through your lens and every new person you meet brings something new out in you. So there's never, um, there's never been a point at which you were more capable of doing that than right now. Mm. Um, it feels the other way though. You know right. What talking about in what way? Like, do you ever feel like I want, I, God, I wish I could go back to whatever. Yeah. But it's, a, it's, um, but you can't get your brain back there. Like your brain, like yeah. your reality grows and you can't go back, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think that's a good thing because what you probably, what we, you know, I have a similar thing, you know, oh, I, sure, I look yeah, back at some of my old that. music and I think like, Oh, like I was thinking so much simpler back then, or I I really knew how to do this, or like I didn't overcomplicate, or you know there were oh yeah, like I really had a fire in my belly for this type of thing, right? And that's cool, but that moment really only lasted for however long it lasted, and then right. after that, I had to, and I was finding a fire for other things, and I think obviously we can't revisit moments in time but what we can do is make sure that our head is clear and that we're on our path because i think the feeling that we miss is the feeling of being on our path uh. it's not necessarily the thing we were doing at the time what we were on our part that we were on our path yeah it's i am doing what i'm here to do i'm exactly where i should be in the universe and I am being so, I mean, being integral. I'm not letting other people's opinions get to me. I'm pursuing what it is I love. I'm being authentic and I'm enjoying every moment and I'm, and I'm being present. When you feel those things, the content you put out is going to be great. And it will always be a moment people look back on because ultimately the thing that brought you to where you are now, sorry, into even into, you know, public consciousness was the fact that you were on that path. Uh, and so your, your every thing. essence, your actual essence is why you're there. Right. It's every, it's the way you look at the world. It's all the things that led to this. It's your childhood. It's the thing, the ways that you learned to 
um, kind of put those experiences into words or the way you learn to, you know, find those. So it's not like getting back to a certain dock. It's just like being still just be in the stream kind of or getting it's like that's in, in flow state right it's finding flow state ah oh, because i always i always mess up and think it's oh i got to get back to this dock but it's like no that dock was just part of something you passed by as you were mm -hmm. in a comfortable healthy self that was part of the scene right I, I believe. Uh, I mean, that's what I believe anyway. This is, I'm. This is. Uh, I'm always looking out the window, thinking, "Oh, I got to get back to where the car passed." But yeah. really, I just have to get back into this comfortably in the driver's seat. Wow. I think so. I think so. Yeah, and it's such a fight to try and think, "How do I get back there?" You know, and then you're always working from a loss because it's impossible. It's the it's the kind of con it's the Buddhist concept of uh, you know desire is suffering. It's like. If you if you want what you don't currently embody, then you are starting from a point of deficit. You don't have the thing, so therefore, you know, wanting something equals unhappiness. But dang, bro! <laughs> but I mean, that's I think no, it's good. It's cool. I have to pee really bad. Do you? I really do. All right, let's pee, and then we'll come back and Thank maybe talk about for, some news. Thanks for releasing me. Would you ever, uh, and you got, it gets much colder in uh, Britain, huh? Much colder, yeah. Wow. Well, actually, I say that. I mean, America's a big place and it gets much colder in Minnesota than it does anywhere in England. Oh. Uh, do but, you ever feel like you've sold out your country by moving out of it? Interesting. And maybe that's not the best term to use. That's just no, a general I, term. No, I mean, it's definitely like, a, you know, as an English person, it's definitely like a concern that you, in some way have insulted your you know your own by moving out but no i never felt like i lived anywhere to be honest i do feel english i mean all my cultural reference points are english and all my comedy uh comedy references and right any musical... botanist any botanist would find roots of you there you'd be busted there Exactly, but that's uh, interesting. But music, you musical like roots were a lot of it was American, oh. uh, and and a lot of like other like Japanese and uh, like European uh, music, and you know just yeah, loads of different cultural influences that uh, were not English, and and also I think on a spiritual level, I just didn't really resonate with nationality particularly. I didn't really have a national pride particularly, or. You know, being wow, English, being being English is is complex, isn't it? And it's you know, it comes with a history that's not necessarily um, you know, some of it's great and some of it's quite shameful. And yeah, some of it you you know, I don't understand why I would really attach myself to the positive or the negative of my country's history when I wasn't part of it. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, with history, it's interesting because it's like people. It's easy to look back on history and be like, oh, this is you know, this wasn't good. You know, from present perspectives and stuff like that and mm -hmm. and you know i'm sure at the time a lot of british people were like we're taking over the world you know it was like a different yeah. like there was a, probably a pride that would seem foolish now if somebody had it you know like oh it yeah would seem you know it's it's just interesting how time gives shape to things because well, all of our sort of uh reach of power is kind of just like slowly and now we're just this little island uh that has you know a lot of cultural power and i guess some financial power but i we're we're definitely um 
maybe got our tail between our legs a little bit uh might might, might account for some of the self-deprecation that happens yeah i think maybe a historical tail between your legs maybe i'm curious to see like how does britain kind of like how do they feel okay to show their still show who they are or find who they are i think with a little bit of difficulty actually i think i think like when you have a national kind of sense of like something you know when we're not like we've not always been part of you know the you know the british empire like the colonialism we're we're you know I think finding pride has to come from other, obviously other sources, unless you genuinely are proud of that, in which case, <laughs> don't know how, I can't help you, but, but that, this, this side of in, being English, like the comedy, the, the kind of, um, the music, the culture, the cultural output of England is really amazing. I mean, I, I look back at, you know, a lot of my biggest influences have also been, uh, English bands. Um, it's funny. I mean, I, I I didn't actually really wasn't really um, like a fan of Oasis at the time, but I went to. Well, I'm a big Beatles fan. Um, lots of lots of bands kind of eluded me until I was a bit older because I mostly listened to piano based music mm. uh, and like Mozart. Yeah, whether it was classical or I listened to um, a lot of like like soul classical um japanese kind of ambient type like kabuki or something is that like uh i don't know what that is but um i don't either <laughs> so but like yeah um, but but no i mean it could be a genre though i, I it's something i don't know about but uh yeah uh, Sa i mean um ryochi sakamoto is a good good uh example you should listen to him i think you like him a lot sakamoto? very calming oh really beautiful oh yeah. i could use that ryuichi sakamoto yeah Ryuichi sakamoto can you influence. bring him up let's see an image of him i want to see a jpeg of this fella ryuki ryuchi ryuchi oh uh, i love japanese people man i went to japan one time and we took a bunch of ice creams with us to the park and we gave them to kids and took pictures of them eating them oh look here he is I mean, beautiful man. Oh, God, he is. I look like my mother a little. In the face, not in the hair. Mm. Actually, if, her, if his hair was a lot longer. Yeah, right. Oh, yes. He looks like a composer, doesn't he? I mean, just, just a legend. I'd love to be Japanese, I think. It feels like everything's just so damn organized inside of you, you know? <laughs> I feel like you swallow water and it immediately is ready to be urine. It's immediately yeah, efficiently like, processed. Oh, there's no down. There's not all this milling around, you know? Right. Oh, goes I'm on. going through the kidneys. Get out of mm -hmm. here with that BS. Straight through. It's just red. It's just train. Yes. That's it. Yes. It seems just like, here right. we go. I and mean, you fit into a shirt size. I feel like if you're Japanese, you fit in. There is no like, you're in the middle. I can't. This looks bad on me. You know, I feel like you are. There's a definite, there's a, there's a definable, like when you go to Tokyo, for example, there's a definable style, uh, identity. Yeah. And I've found that some of the most stylish people I've ever met have been Japanese mm -hmm. and some of the most stylish kind of like ideas in clothing have been come from, I mean, this is actually a different, I mean, I'm not to say that this is, I'm not saying I'm sorry. I think this is like. That's very Japanese One of the, to me. It, well, it is, and it, it's by um, it's by uh, Yamamoto, um, 
Yoji Yamamoto. Mm. But uh, I wear a lot of Japanese clothes because I just think they, they all, I mean, Yamamoto and Isimiyaki are like my favorite designers. Wow. Yeah. And, and you know, going back to when I was a kid, yeah, lots of lots of Japanese music. And, and I think I was also fascinated by like, in, like Western and Japanese crossovers. Um, and um, just like the, the intersection between those sounds. And one thing you find is that every, every culture has its kind of own chord uh, kind of, or tonality, what's the word, sort of like world of notes that, that sound good together in that, oh. you know, style. So for example, uh, in French music, right so like french uh early classical or whatever it's like there's a there's a there's a, a world of tone that kind of f- sounds french if you know what you're listening to for mm. um and when you go to the when you go to the eurostar it's funny there's there's a sound that plays it's like ding, 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 whatever it's like a it's like a thing and it's the most French notes. Oh, interesting! That have ever been written. Yeah, that's funny. If you know a lot about music, you're probably able to hear a lot of different, like little just things <laughs> in the world, and know like trace them back. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like Latin. Like if you know sounds, it's almost like yeah. when you learn Latin. That's interesting. Everything's right? rooted in something. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, when you go to Japan, there's a lot of um, sounds in like train stations and shit that they, yeah. they have, and you just go, "Wow, this is." N- I mean, nothing like anything. Uh, that I'm I'm used to and it's kind of amazing. Um do you think um do you notice any difference between the audiences like in different places like in some of the behavior of them and stuff like Japan's that? a really interesting place to play because uh the a lot of the audiences are they're like super respectful. At least for the shows that we've put on they'll be completely silent during the music and then erupt in like the loudest possible applause and then as soon as they sense that you're ready to start the next song complete silence again like penny drop wow that's crazy does it feel crazy it feels or does it feel like right you know what it's just different it's like it feels right there but it's so i can understand the logic behind it and there's such a respect that comes with that it's like they really really respect the art Mm. and what you're doing and also we were there you know we're kind of we don't go there very often so and you're not you know if you go too often i think they probably get bored of you and you start to seem domestic almost but they respond especially like that i think to people who are from out of town who come in and just kind of um more of a rarity it's like they just really want to be present for the i don't want to miss it yeah you want to be in the moment yeah Maybe they value the moment a bit. Maybe maybe there's some more of a value for the moment. They have so much history. Well, I wonder if it's also we're over in America. We're a politeness. Like, we'll pour thing. beer on the moment. <laughs> people over here, hey, dude, quit fucking the moment. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. we're just people over here, just you know, just being, yeah, just like the moments. Uh, it's like, it's there's, like mi- there's millions of moments. Right. There's so many moments that 
is is kind of expansive. And we've kind of had that in America. We're like, we got unlimited moments, you know? Exactly. But now I think we're start I think things are starting to change a little bit and it's like, man, we need to value this moment. I think the economy of moments, basically. It's like we are now in a, a moment where we don't have that many like live interactive experiences. So I would think that people are starting to go when they go to comedy shows or whatever, they're probably paying a little bit more you know, they're like, feel a bit more grateful to be there, feel a bit more grateful to like, have access to someone in real life after just spending a pandemic, not being able to see anyone not being able to go out, apart from in uh, Tennessee, obviously. Uh, but like, the fact that someone is stood in front of you, and they've spent their whole life perfecting this art form. And then you go there, and then you just talk all over it. I mean, yeah. the idea of doing that after the pandemic seemed seemed more insane than it did before because it would seem ungrateful like well, especially with music i mean you guys the people are more likely to be able to party and stuff during your shows and have fun yeah. you know with comedy you're really people have to kind of sit and listen for the most part yeah although a lot of people shush other people in my shows oh they do which annoys me oh so i actually hate it? it like tell me what happens what do you mean they shush? well i'll be playing something and and i'm in the middle of a song and someone just goes like you know they'll say something crowd like you know like uh all right oh, yeah 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 well i love you yeah and i'm like in my brain i'm like i love you too but i don't, can't can't say anything because i'm doing your work doing my thing and someone else just shot just goes Shh, and just and you're like what it says the thing is i always feel like responsible for, for what they've just done Oh. Because I feel like maybe something I put across, maybe it's just an insecurity, but I feel like something I put across has made them feel like I wouldn't like it. Oh, that's to, interesting. You know, oh. I wouldn't like it if someone like expresses how excited they are or whatever. Oh, like, I feel like, oh yeah, I don't want you to think that they're a warden for me. I that's... feel like some kind of like, yeah, like real like stick up my ass fucking. Dude, I used to feel that way about girl, I, like girls I would date and stuff. I didn't want any girl to be like a reflection of me. So it would be right. like if they made a mistake or like I used to date this one girl who had no like beautiful, really sweet girl. She had no sense of like spatial awareness. Right. She would just be like, you know, talking to you and like she'd bump into 65 people somehow, like just while she was talking. She's like, a dodgem. She was what? a dodgem. We call them dodgems. Yeah, and it's one of those, you know, like the, uh, the cars that bump into each other in yeah. the fairground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was just a G, like, oh my god, don't you know somebody's right behind you? She would always turn and knock over a damn glass or a top hat off of somebody, you know. Yeah, and it would just like it drove me. What would you do in that? It just because I didn't want her to be a reflection of who I. It would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want anybody thinking like, oh man, it's such a narcissistic thing, really. I he think. he endorses he's like right. cool with this. Right. Which makes him also as as kind of unwieldy and uh fucking, you know uncool or whatever. Yeah, not cool. In yeah. some way ultimately it comes back to I'm not accepted or like right. but you know, the I and I felt I did exactly the same thing, but with with uh with like social interactions and like if somebody said the wrong thing i'd prickle up and like feel really tense and like want to i'll probably it'll come out with a little comment towards them at some point you know later or even during the conversation and i just couldn't hide it i was so uncomfortable with somebody else fucking up because ultimately like the school i went to was just like people 
were so hard on each other if some if someone fucked up ah right so you just develop this thing of like no one must say anything wrong no one can come into the situation with an energy that doesn't match everyone else no one can and it's like it's such a like you know uh restrictive place to live that and i just would emanate that is that a very british thing you think or is it just it is yeah for sure yeah but i also just i think it's just the way i grew up the school i went to was like that it was very the school i went to was like quite it was it was a school where you had to take a test to get in but it was free so so it wasn't like a private school but it was for kids who excelled and didn't yeah it was for kids who essentially came from all manners of backgrounds but had a certain level of of reading comprehension or whatever it was it's like they tested you on multiple different things and so it was a good school to be at because it had like kind of like a culturally like there was a lot of different cultures but it was very intellectually it was all about intellectual sparring and and like when kids are like in some ways i'd have preferred to have been beaten up than psychologically bullied you know because at least then i could have had a chance to like hit someone right and get my anger out I don't know, maybe I'm not really sure what's worse, but when kids are like super manipulative and like a bit able to like find your button and like fully f- fucking fuck the button and then just ke- <laughs> and just keep fucking it until you're just like not able to defend yourself. You know, it's like that. that is uh, like a different stuff. And I think it puts you in this like psychological like defense for the rest of your life really. oh yeah unless you fix it i mean i just took fucking ages to like get rid of that thing of like if someone something. says something or if i say the worst honestly the worst case scenario would be i say something and then in my mind like everyone just like turns around and it's just like what right what the fuck did you just say you know everything stops can you imagine it's like record and i like, want to stop the music yeah <laughs> right and then oh and it's awkward that was like my worst nightmare basically which is funny is it is it's a pretty tame worst nightmare to have but but it's, but it's, it's what happens in that environment it's a psychological thriller <laughs> yeah which you just shared you know it's yes a psychological thriller it's just not a yeah um yeah i think there's definitely like i uh speaking of psychological thrillers i got a clip what you um, got man a song broke out at a psych ward. Oh my god! They all broke out singing in songs. At three this is it now. Insurance barely probably didn't even cover this. They got my vote. What party are they running with? This is un, like this is like living in my house. I mean, like, I live with three people, so this is basically our house. Oh wow, really? Yeah, from, di- from all different rooms. Oh, you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I live with uh, two of my best friends and and Jamila. Yeah. Um, and we just yeah. We're, wow. It's a very it's kind of a modern modern thing. I, I wonder. It's it's interesting how stuff like like I wonder if we're getting to this let place in the world where it's like um. 
I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's like we like everything feels very vigilante now. It's like the person who's going to like it's like the world feels kind of like the wild west. You mean like individualistic, like people are just kind of exp- just doing they've kind of gone fuck it. I've given up on society. I'm just going to do right. my do the, it my own way. This is the fabric of American society, I feel like quickly unravel. Like Betsy Ross is like the stitching right. somehow over the past 5 years has come out. Right, right, right. And I don't know if a lot of people are buying into the this American ideal anymore. Interesting. I don't know if they're not. I just don't know. I'm this is also like in Los Angeles right now you don't get a really clear idea. I mean um Los Angeles is a very very unclear picture of of uh or at least Hollywood. Yeah, is Hollywood. A, That's it's an extremely Hollywood unclear extremely picture unclear of like picture. people's interaction in general. Because if so much of it is incentivized by success or power or fame, uh, or in some way somebody's like desire or drive to to like to achieve something, then obviously things just they're not they're not as they. They're not as pure as just to... They're not pure, basically, whereas I think most places are not like that. I mean, and also, you know, that is just speaking for an industry rather than, like, Los Angeles as a whole. Because Los Angeles as a whole is multifaceted, yeah. multicultural, I forget place. that a lot, too. A lot of times I'll say Los Angeles instead of really, I just mean Hollywood. Um, are there are, Is there, like, other genres and stuff that you see where you would see yourself going into music? Is there anything that feels off limits? Do you feel like you're kind of mm. – have your horizons of even possibility brought, broadened over time or over the years or anything? Or do you uh, – Yeah, I, I mean, I started doing – I'm doing a thing, like a film, a bit of film music at the moment. So um, scoring a film? Yeah, scoring a, a kind of visual thing. Um I I call it a film, but it's not a kind of um, movie in the way that like a it's not a um, you know the master or something or like a fucking narrative driven movie. It's a, it's a kind of a more of a visual thing, um, but I'm really excited about it, and I hope that it leads to more of that. And I want to do narrative movies, like proper movie, you know that kind of thing. Um, weird that my music is seen as so atmospheric but that i've not really ever been involved in kind of scoring and stuff but i have wanted to for a while and um yeah i feel like yeah your music does feel like that i feel like i'm hitchhiking through my own feelings kind of sometimes a little bit (laughs) yeah yeah or i'm hitchhiking through your feelings yes i feel like somebody's kind of hitchhiking through my feelings Mm. um and you're picking them up Sometimes. Or not. Sometimes I'm just watching them. Just being like. I don't know. I'll have to listen more. I think it just kind of depends on whatever feeling I'm in at that moment. What are the feelings that you kind of, like when you listen to music, like what when when do you listen to music? And, and I listen to music for one when I need a pick-me-up. I'll listen to certain right. songs. Yeah. There's a couple of songs I'll listen to. Uh, I think when I want to feel something, I'll listen to some other stuff. Mm. You know. I listen to comedy when I need a pick-me-up, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Because, yeah, because music is, uh, I guess the thing, the thing is with our jobs is that they, they become, they become jobs. Oh, totally. People are like, what are your hobbies? I'm like, I don't my hobby, my hobbies became my job. Right. And now, and now it's neither. Yeah. And it's, so now I have to find things outside. So outside of, 
music and comedy what what do you like do you as someone who you, I, you i mean i feel like we're so similar in, the, in the so many ways when you look at the world of people going and experiencing things like you know someone's skydiving and somebody's going surfing like do you ever go past the sea and watch people surfing and go god i wish i could just like be in the world like that the way they are oh yeah i, I think, think that all the time it's hard for it's for there's something about it that's tough for me i think sometimes i do comedy i want to be the person in the crowd having a good time i yeah. want to be the one laughing you like uh when uh when yay said uh or for me knows kanye west said um i the only my my greatest regret is that i was never able to see myself perform live mm. <laughs> seems seems like an egotistical thing to say but i think in in some ways it articulates something that a lot of performers feel um not necessarily present at their own shows and actually they want to be part, more part of the feeling that everyone else is having than, yeah. than they are of the feeling they're having yeah i think forever i never went to any comedy or listened to much at all you know yeah. i did i think i didn't want to be influenced and i think i was just so stuck in my own little world yeah. i didn't want anything to mess up my world or anything to influence it you know i just valued my own little creative space so much yeah. really almost too much it kept me isolated but yeah i didn't um i didn't want to have uh any real influences outside of myself and Sometimes I thought, yeah, I wish I could be the person laughing at the show. Yeah. And if I can't be, at least I'll be as the closest I can to that person will be someone at least making the humor. Yeah, totally. It's like at least then I'm part of the equation. That's how I felt about music. So how I felt about uh, DJing uh, as well, because like I always felt really self-conscious about dancing and like expressing myself in those ways. And also I'm very tall. I'm very, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm out of proportion, but I. But, but you're I, a long fella. But I'm a long person, and I and I my limbs. You get shot first in army. Exactly. I'd be, you know, what's that movie where they 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 a wire comes across the ship and all the people who are taller than a certain height get immediately killed. Oh damn! Ghost ship. Um, I'd be gone in the first scene, and then also, I'm, you know, like a we call them daddy long legs, but they're like mayflies or whatever those those little insects that have like those really long legs and they just sort of like bumble around like not knocking into stuff that's me at like a rave or you know something so mm. i i just i like i'm i'm i always feel slightly uncomfortable like never i'm always knocking into people like oh shit did i knock it and then you know back to you know losing myself I can never quite lose myself in the moment yeah. sometimes and yeah i can never lose myself completely man right i find that some so I uh, I find that DJing is like an amazing way of like not having to, just not having to contend with any of that stuff. And instead I can just stand there and be worshipped like a god. No, no, no. I can be just present the music that yeah. everyone just gets, you know, gets to do that to. Yeah. And then I'm, then at least my excuse can be that, well, I can't be down there at the same time. Right. So... Yeah, at least then you have an excuse. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And no one can come up to me and make some small talk that I can't hear because it's too loud. And then I don't have, there's no chance of me like saying something dumb to someone or like not, you know, not having a cool social interaction. I can just stand up there and people can assume that I'm cool because I'm, because I'm a DJ, but I'm actually not. And 
I never have to reveal that. <laughs> Dude, that's, yeah, it's like, if you're in that space, it kind of keeps you safe from everything. Complete bubble. Yeah. It's amazing. It's uh, such a it's such a control space, and people man. give DJs such a you know it's like a mythology. It's, it's like crazy. This is ins- I mean, you must think even that's crazy, huh? Hundred yeah. percent, and and they pay them way more than they should. I don't know what's happening. DJing is like the I don't know how that works. It's it's honestly, <laughs> yeah, it feels exorbitant. Have you been to festivals and stuff where it's just like DJ festivals and stuff? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So sometimes do you just DJ and sometimes you play your music? I DJ. I actually love DJing. It's like, um, uh, for me, there's su- I mean, there's such a craft to it and it's so deep. Like it's great. A great DJ is like, a, you know, controlling the vibe of the entire place and like can be in tune with, genuinely in tune with the crowd. And like, it's a, it's a real, um, you know, you can go into a set not knowing at all what you're going to play and just and just watch the crowd and figure out how you're going to, like, you're you're coming on be, be after the next, the DJ before you, and you're watching how they're playing to the crowd and you're seeing what works. And then you're going, okay, what's in my record bag that I can, you know, back in the day I'd play vinyl. Yeah. And so I'd be, you know, just kind of acting on, it's real in-the-moment decisions, like this tune is in the right key or it's in the right tempo or it's in the right, it's the right vibe to come on to, to follow on from the last thing. And like, Oh, this one will get them like this one will get them dancing or this one. So like, that feeling is like, you, you're kind of living through them vicariously. You're like experiencing that hype and that fun with them and through them. And then you can kind of like kind of pretend you're at your own show at the same time. And it's it's like psychological and it's it's also you're getting to hear all your favorite music and like yeah. you're just, you're so it's just it's brilliant yeah my friend satchfield's a dj down in new orleans and he's one of my best friends from growing up and i get to watch him like you know how he looks at a group of people and like you know, you can see the wheels start turning in his right. head and like, what, and, and he knows so much music here. You just start to think like, you start to see him grin and kind of like, all right, what's going to happen? The cogs are here? turning. Yeah. Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? What else happened in the news, Zach? Anything else interesting out there? Uh, yeah, we were talking about this. This is a pretty American story. Uh, Philadelphia man just ate a rotisserie chicken every day for 40 days Ooh! And, uh, oh wow he doesn't recommend it he's on the uh the the um jordan peterson diet yeah oh i went to dinner with jordan peterson man and uh during the pandemic with him and his daughter oh yeah and her boyfriend and they ordered all meat all meat and oh. brother at the end of the meal there's literally a plate of bones in the middle of the table it very much had wow. like this game of thrones type of vibe and, and like, no no asparagus no vegetables nothing meat i think somebody had sparkling water and they even frowned at him a little whoever it was other people had flat water but somebody bubbled up and everybody was like you whore yeah you know? they just went but in the end it looked like a plate like a batch of Look like a batch of dogs had been there. Just a plate. I'll have to, we'll have to put some pictures in. I have that. I uh, could I'm you ever go all birded so... out like well, this? I'm, have I, you done anything like that? I'm. I've never done forty days of eating whole chickens, but I've. Um, I mean, I'm vegetarian, so it's not something. Oh, you are. You're a, vegetarian. It's not a sport. I can really. 
participate yeah, in. He didn't really have a reason, which is my criticism. He just said he's doing it to bring people together. So I don't... I mean, judging by that picture, it did bring a lot yeah. of people together. I wonder what... This looks like, yeah, the Last Supper at this like an Albertsons. Yeah, he's like the high priest of chicken eating. Yeah, it has a very renaissance. This looks like a lot of like a like a uh, pre party for a renaissance fair. I feel like it. It has... looks like a it looks like a, a paint a resident painting. Yes, it does, huh? Yeah. It actually would be really cool if somebody made like a nice painting of that. You know, the rock's history. You can challenge. I mean, there's a lot of great bits of art in here. I think you should challenge your uh, listeners to to paint this because it's a it's a wonderful scene. Oh, it's remarkable, actually. The fortieth day of rotisserie chicken. I wonder how many of those, I wonder if that crowd grew over the 40 days to this. I imagine it didn't start this way. His girlfriend probably left him, I'm sure, after day eight or something of her being lonely. Well, I imagine the smell probably oh. got, got um, quite overwhelming. And there he is, and it seems very perverse, I think. There's something, uh, yeah, there's something Oedipal or something going on. Yeah, something like that. I could... <laughs> I don't even really know what that means, but did you ever work at a uh, food place, James? I never worked at a food place. No. Did you have a? Job? Although I did, I did, I did one time uh, do a job at a festival where I was part of catering stuff. Oh yeah. Um, and they gave us a uh, one baked potato oh. for lunch, for lunch and dinner. That was what we had. It was a one baked potato, which I thought was unreasonable, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, it was a. They weren't. They didn't give you any butter or anything. It right. was just you. You queued up for a baked potato, and that was oh. your sustenance for the day. Every British story, I feel like, has like some mild starvation somewhere in it. I feel like there's yeah. like such a some self punishment or like some kind of there's such bad lunching. It was like four. Have you seen the four Yorkshiremen sketch? Uh uh-uh. oh. I'll have to play that to you. Basically, it's a bunch of uh, people sitting around being like, you know. Where you know when we grew up, we didn't have a pot to piss in. You know, we didn't blah blah blah. Yeah, you and then the that. other guys like, yeah, well, I mean, you know, we didn't even have a house. We lived in a ditch. Blah blah blah. You know, and when our dad came home, he beat us around the head. And it was like, oh, you were lucky. The other guys were like, you were lucky. We had a, you know, our dad would come home and stab us, and we'd live in a pond. You know, so like, <laughs> anyway. So that's that's like, but it's like a classic. Uh, I mean, I'm really miss. No, it's look, but it's but it's a it's a classic English sketch, and that's kind of what the the baked potato thing sort of like conjures. Really, it's this like stark, uh, just you know, scarcity mentality situation where. Yeah. But it, but it, but it, but then it's at a festival where everyone's having loads of fun. Um, yeah, everybody's all geeked up on uh, Molly eating baked potatoes. And yeah, all. Well, I mean, they were all eating, you know, from food trucks and like. Oh that. yeah. So we were just, but anyway, so I I worked there and and um, but that was only for two days, and then I got fired, I think, because I just wasn't, I wasn't, I just, I felt away about the potatoes. Mm. I just felt like it wasn't enough, and I'm obviously very tall. I was always, I was always tall. I was tall then. Oh. So. Um, it's hard being that tall guy. I feel like the remember the one kid that would come back from summer tall, and everybody be like, "What in the f- look at this motherfucker?" Yeah, you know, people would be like, "Oh, look at this show off." You know? That was me. What does he think he's doing? Huh? Look at this guy with his pussy ass little cervical spine. Yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. You know, and they start saying all that kind of shit. They know? did say that kind of shit, and I just, I just took it, and then I learned to love my height over time. But it started, yeah. I, oh, I, I hated bet. being tall. 
really hate it. Oh, it would, I think it would be such an adventure, but it would be very interesting. When you put your arm out of the bed and it just touches the floor, it pets the cat if it's down there. Yeah. What about you start this? hitting your head on stuff? Oh, and then you hate your fucking head. I I, I did that a number of times. I mean, oh. it probably accounts for some of my personality. Now, what about love? A lot of your song, there's definitely a lot of loss. A lot of like mm. Jesus, huh? Some mm. girl, some girl, <laughs> some girl left this guy at the day yeah. old bread store. You know? Yes. Um, where does some of that come from? Like, where does where do you think some of that comes from? Well. <sighs> My first record, I'd never been in love. And or if I had, it had been unrequited. So I was, I lost my virginity very late. I was a very late bloomer. And uh, so I was just... Like 20 years old? 20, 22, 23. Pretty late. I mean, in this country, that's probably not as uncommon because maybe because of religious reasons. Um, but I don't know in, what the exchange rate on virginity is, really. I think it's probably about one to one, zero point six to one, when it comes to like British to American. Yeah. Um. So, like, what the dollar to the pound used to be. Oh yeah. Um, and I just didn't. I was always very ashamed of that at the time. That you hadn't lost it yet. But I hadn't. Yeah, and I and I was also wasn't like, I wasn't in the game. Oh, so you were really on the sidelines. I was really on the sidelines, just kind of being like, people would be talking about sex, and I'd be like, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, totally, like, vaginas. For sure, for sure. Like, I get it, man, yeah. yeah. Like, it must, it's, man, you'd be wearing, like, a Man City jersey just talking about it. Like, yeah. Just, yeah, for just sure, like, Yeah, fuck, like. Of course. Yeah. Sex always. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, wow, so you were really on the sidelines just of like kind of like a lot of social stuff kind of? Or? Yeah, I think so. I was thinking I was just a – I was an outsider in a lot of ways. and Because uh, that gives you a lot of time to observe stuff and see it. Yeah, but I was also like – I was kind of semi-popular in other ways. Like I was, I was always like a bit of a – I was always a bit of a class clown. And I was I, – I got in trouble a lot and I was always very – kind of insolent and like not i don't know if i was acting out because i thought it was cool or because i thought it was i genuinely had a lot of like uh like i I was um anti-establishment yeah in general like i just felt i just felt i sort of felt like i wasn't supposed to be at school as well i always felt like i was supposed to be you know um in music somewhere doing something else or doing something else just yeah. i just knew that i wasn't supposed to i knew i didn't need science school probably always felt very novice to you i, knew, I knew i didn't need to learn french right it probably felt novice to you it, um in a in a strange way it didn't feel it didn't feel like beneath me or it didn't feel it didn't feel like i i, I didn't feel like i was too smart for it or i didn't feel like that. i just thought i just thought i don't need these skills i don't because right. i know where i'm going and i don't need any of this stuff oh yeah what i need is to get older yeah (laughs) i just need to be 10 years older and then i'll have what i want interesting and also there was this thing i can't remember what it's like alpha personality or something basically where you have this thing where you're like in the future i'm gonna get everything i always wanted so it's okay that i'm suffering now you know so there's this delusional kind of thing of like i've got my eyes on the prize and so you can all like you can all laugh right but i'm gonna be 
this. I'm going to, you know, be a 23-year-old virgin. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> so I... Um, yeah, I move just, this mic down just a touch. Oh, yeah, sorry. You good? Or just down a little. Yeah, oh, there you go. There we go. Um, sorry, it's my, it's my first time on a on a podcast oh yeah happy to have you man oh no i did i did jamila's but i could you know i mean yeah. right, you have to i mean what are you gonna not uh, well, i'm not gonna do jamila's I podcast i thought i had a chance with her day <laughs> i didn't even know i was dropping off at your house too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you thought there's a long <laughs> career in podcasting with her ahead of you um <laughs> what uh what else do we have what else is in the news oh wait so did you first time you fell in love then so what was that oh, yeah. like it was really amazing. I mean, I did wait. I waited and I, it wasn't, I didn't do it in a kind of um, like a religious sense, but I think there was a spiritual component to it. I think I was waiting for someone I trusted. I think I was waiting for someone I had a spiritual connection with. Um, but actually in the end, I lost lost my virginity to someone ran, someone kind of random <laughs> who I had no connection with at all. Um, but the relationship I ended up in was one that was great. Yeah, yeah, someone, someone really wonderful, and and um, and then I only had one more relationship after that, and that's the one I'm in. Mm. Um, so that brings us up to now. But um, yeah, and you guys have been in love for a long time, eight years. Wow, it's about eight years. Um, that's cool. That's rare. Yeah, it is. Um, she's incredible, and you know, it. I guess it does feel like we've. It just always feels like we've been together a year, mm. which is kind of amazing. That's kind of a cool lyric or something like that, you know? Uh, yeah, it is. Although, you know, people are people are strange about listening to love songs about someone you're actually with. I don't know why that is. Oh, that's true. If that's the case, it almost becomes a little bit... Yeah, does it take on more of a country music vibe then sometimes, a little bit? I should get, become a country artist, that and then people would accept. That it's the love songs you're actually with. Yeah, because there's something about the, your songs, I want you to not be with the person. <laughs> you, want me, you want me to be completely want, fucking heartbroken you by want, I want the person to be as lonely as I probably right. either am feeling, right. or it's like, yeah. You know, you want there to be some of that. And look, James's music is an all lonely music. If you haven't heard it, it's all ty it's all types of stuff, but it's a nice way to want I find it's 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 changes a lot, but it's it's um There's all different It's all yes. Yeah, yeah. But Let's go uh, check but, it out. But I did become known for like a very, you know, uh, a period in my life where I wrote a lot of the music that I became known for was a time of immense sadness and loneliness for me. So, I mean, I guess it came out sounding a little bit forlorn and a little bit that, but also at the same time, it's uplifting music at the same time because it's like, it's a bit like, um, a bit like with Radiohead, for example. There's, there's certain bands who through time have, have got the criticism of sad or as if that's a criticism, I don't know why, but, you know, sad or, doubt or depressing or whatever. And I think that's just a reflection of, whoever is listening most of the time i mean something can sound dreary and on some day be dreary and on another day be completely uplifting it just depends what your mood is and how it's and also i would never want to like i'd never want to uh discourage and i hate language that discourages people from listening to music that gives them emotional release mm. like that's why i had such a problem with the sad boy term and like 
when I would I'd get written about in in like publications like you know certain publications basically who would who would write you know like one of the things was like he, he needs to maybe should get out more or like I was just like you don't get it like you don't get that there are people who feel the same thing as I feel right who are listening to this processing stuff right and by this language what you're saying is like don't do that ah uh, yeah and you might be you might actually be taking away someone's emotional comfort blanket that makes their life way harder you know it's funny i think that's sometimes too about like sometimes on this podcast i'll talk about feelings and things that i've had over the years and sometimes i feel like it gets it's tough because i have to i have to walk this line i don't want to get too melancholy yeah i don't want to get actually i don't care if i get melancholy but i don't want to get where I am in self-pity. Like self-indulgent. Right. And it can happen. It's really tough. It's tough because yeah. you don't notice it happening. You think you're just exploring it more. Right. And and it can and it can certainly um it can certainly happen. I think with with music though, it's interesting because it's like music and musicians, they let us feel something that we can't say. It's like Man, this you'll see somebody who won't even talk probably to their wife or something, right. but then they'll they'll both get there and sing a song together, yeah, yeah. or dance to a. It's like well, that video of everyone singing. I can't remember. What, is it the yeah, the people trapped in the mental hospital singing Katy Perry, you know, Katy or whatever. Perry I want it that way. Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, and it, to some extent, there is some truth in you know, like the par our parents' generation would just be like, no, don't talk about it. Like, just come on, man. You don't need to go to therapy. Just crack on, carry on. Yeah, you'll, you'll be, be all right. Just you know, just like pick up that pail, walk up the hill. Yeah, yeah, just, just, just um, you know, to some extent, like talk about it to a friend. But other than that, just get on with it, and you know, you'll, you'll be, uh, you can push through it. And and even the British are cracking now. Patty Pimblett had a freaking outspoken speech. Remember a couple no. of fights ago? What was that? Oh, no. He was like, my mate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Care. You know, it's like. Yeah, you even I saw see that. The Brit, you know, that was even, really moving. Yeah, it was just, you know, it's like. Yeah. I think we're also like, there's just an inner, hum, humanity is this energy of nature. It's this path of nature. Yeah. We don't really know what it is yet. Yeah, that's true. And I think we've, you know, when you look at, how much feeling and stuff is in there at a certain point it's got to come out like, it is it has and then but then i think what you're touching on is quite interesting because it's like we're not there is a certain point at which it's not productive anymore and you know i think that coming to an under a balance between our generation maybe and the generation before us or, or couple before us a balance between those two mentalities of like you know maybe self-victimization on our account or kind of going over the same things over and over again yeah. and not realizing you're in a cycle or a pattern or just kind of like focusing so much on the trauma that you're not actually a kind of paying attention to like actual real life practices that can help you or like yeah. forward motion, forward momentum. Like the fact that achievement actually genuinely does, you know, can be a good motivation or, you know, like, general um kind of yeah like positive thinking like lots of you know it's like you can just dwell on things and we have uh a you know there is a school of thought that says being in constant kind of term kind of 
digging up of things is a good is is like important i think there's a balance to be struck yeah and the the kind of uh wisdom in the older generations sometimes is that um that we there is a lot of common common uh commonality to be found between people and that our differences sometimes are not always worth dwelling on and that we are we are strong capable uh people who can fucking get it done get it done yeah get basically persevere take care of ourselves yeah sometimes yep. we have to come to our own rescue you start to realize that mm -hmm. too it's like there this self-help stuff it starts to create sometimes too much of a world where you're always trying to help yourself yeah and you're reading up and taking in so much stuff about you know inspirational but mm -hmm. you're not actional and also that's an industry that's a people are profiting off right you off your be... your your constant engagement with self-help your constant engagement it's like at a certain point it's like are you okay yeah you know if you're not you know i, I think that we I, I always encourage being uh aware of your emotions and trying to delve into them and like figure them out um but i think there is a there is a certain point where it's time to rejoin the world and try and float. Yeah, I mean, you, you know? yeah, I find you will, if you sit there in that feeling long enough, looking around inside of it and looking at the, reading the graffiti and shit, you will, then that's where you're going to live. You know, I start to realize it's like, you know, they always say you can act your way into positive thinking, but you can't think your way into positive action, you know? Right. And that's something I have to come back to because I like to dwell, I like to wander around in the, in the, um, in the art museum of my childhood and of my like things that meant something to me mm -hmm. and like my first kiss and the first like mistakes I made. And like, I like to wander around and look at all the artifacts and think yeah. of things, but you can't live in the museum. You, you can't, can't. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a time to shut it off and leave the museum. Yeah. There's a, um, I can't remember. I think it was my girlfriend just talking about like, you know, being in this hole and just like painting the walls. And it's just now it's just a beautiful hole. It's like we, oh. which is now sounds, but no, it's semi-sexual in a way that I didn't want it to. But that's you know that is right. to some extent it like sums up where you can get to, where you can draw the map perfectly of how your emotions, how your of your emotional state. You can become so obsessed with like understanding your emotional state. That actually you've kind of taken focus off actual forward momentum and living, um, and yeah. So and That's I think huge, yeah, it is. And I think a lot of people who are in that place, they they you know, a lot of people who you have you noticed this when someone's just for the first time discovering like shit that they've done wrong or the things that they like not happy about with them with themselves, they're just constantly talking about it, mm -hmm. and they want to talk about it to everyone and every you know, and and they're going into such detail, and you're just like but that's someone who is at the start they just got there they just started that's always the way um and yeah, yeah I, eventually i wanted to get to a place where i just didn't have to talk about it yeah you know and i could just talk about other shit yeah or at least look back on it with a sense of power and not be standing in it as much yeah because i did all that i've right. gone through all of those phases this is not coming from a judgmental place this is saying to like this is saying like you have to kind of like become that like evangelizing kind of just to just to you know you've got to destabilize first i think that's why 
it's so hard sometimes to imagine looking inwards because initially you're going to have to go through a period of complete destabilization. And that's why a lot of people never do it. Mm. Um, which I, I think it's amazing that you have, uh, cause, and, and been public about it and talked about it on your podcast. And a lot of people have probably done it through you and with you. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we just try and we will, we wonder sometimes what is our instrument? Why does God have us here the, you know, to share whatever, you know, it's like, you don't even know. It's like, yeah. what is the little piece of the universe that's supposed to fly out of you? Yeah. You know? So do you, do you out of side of, um, like podcasting, is there like a hobby that you have or like a, do you play anything? Do I just you... got a piano at home. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Did you that. talk to me about that at one point? Yeah, you asked me I used about... to play, and then I just got a new piano at home. Nice. It's a u. It's a new used piano. So nice. Yeah, it's a baby grand. I think a Baldwin. So nice. I've got a baby grand. I grew up around like, this place called Baldwin Motors. They used to do tire care. I think. Yeah, Baldwin. We looked are it nice. up. Baldwin Motors, Covington, Louisiana. So I don't know if they make. I don't know if they also do pianos or this is a family. I don't know. It could be joint family but um i mean it'd be amazing if there's cars and pianos yeah well i think they did some good cars that's Baldwin motors right there i suspect it's not the same but i oh they really upgraded they used to just do mostly tires although yamaha make pianos and they also make four thousand <laughs> yeah they make a lot of things dun, 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 dun. yeah what about um I'm trying to think of something else. What else is in the news, Zach? Anything else neat out there? That man ate those chickens, but I didn't really. <laughs> we didn't really talk about that. Well, it didn't do it for me. Did it? Was There's it just... something about it? It seems grotesque a little bit, I guess. But... Is it not? Um... I don't like those chickens. I, I I, yeah. I don't like those rotisserie chickens. It just. Have you, you ever can... seen 40 chickens either? No. It seems like a number of chickens that shouldn't exist all at the same time. Well, and it just like what it, you know, I just see some man just pulling, and the the chicken always feels like it's just barely chicken. It just it feels like they've been through it all, you know. Like also, if you just put it down, like to, you know, if we were really to analyze that situation, it's like it's not that hard to eat forty chickens every day. You know, it's like one chicken every day. Yeah. Could you imagine? I mean, yeah, I could do it. You could do that. I yeah. could do that. I'm a vegetarian, but I by could do 28 that. days, I would not be. I'd be like this. Ugh, this I'd be sucks. bored. Yeah, but it's like just watching a man get bored for 40 days. Isn't that? Yeah, you can do that anywhere. I could really get bored anywhere. But for 40 <laughs> days, <laughs> yeah, yeah. someone could. I could watch a man getting <laughs> bored. I could just talk to the person I, my, uh, Dom, my my producer co co producer friend, <laughs> asking what it's like to work with me. <laughs> I, I don't think being bored for 40 days is is entertainment. Yeah. As yeah, much as those people thought it was. Unless it is now. Like, that's what entertainment also is becoming. It's interesting how it's getting strange. Like, yeah. I would watch a woman, like a small woman, eat, like, maybe a hot dog or a piece of cake or something <laughs> online. I would watch it. Yeah. To me, that would be very entertaining. I'm now imagining watching you watch her. That's there, why my, I laughed. Well, there's a Japanese show where they have little children go run to the market for their mom or something. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like voice. It's like a little bit of voiceover. And you just watch them go on the little journey. It's The show has to be for two to four-year-olds. It is captivating. But all of those shows, are. I feel like they're universal ages, really. Well, this one is just There's something to learn to from things like What's that. What's that show? Can you look it up, brother? Japanese children go to market. Um, it's captive. It, this show, you just why you're like, oh, is he gonna? You know, is kimchi gonna make the lemonade or whatever? You know, and he does yeah. it, and you're just damn blown away. Is kimchi? it called old enough? Old enough, yes. 
God, it's good, man. Kimchi's Korean, is it? Yeah, kimchi is Korean too. They but is that is that yeah? They probably changed it. There she is, right there. Wow. Since children as young as two out into the world alone, it's an absolute roller coaster. The of Japanese emotions. TV show that abandons toddlers on public transport. <laughs> it's a one way to look at it, man. But it's pretty great. You see them go out there, and they're just who is that right there? Does it say? Doesn't doesn't give a name. Oh yeah, just that's says, beautiful. Just says forced to fend for themselves. <laughs> that's one way to look at it. Look. It's tough times everywhere. Um, I think there's something pandemic-y about that, isn't there? Something... Oh, no, it came out before the... Wait, hold on. When did this come out? This is... This is a YouTube video. Japanese kids go shopping alone. Did you... Um, dude, you remember that time when I came and saw you and saw you do music and make music with Andre 3000? Yeah. Fuck. Dude, I remember you inviting me out to this place, and I it was in Malibu. It was at like this cool, like kind of little Shangri La. Yeah, it was at like a studio kind looks of like a rehab. Yeah, it looked like a little rehab. So I pulled up, and you and um, and I didn't know that it was him there. You didn't tell me who that you were working. You know, you just yeah. said you were working in a studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I came up, and you guys were working on something that was pretty cool. Wow, um, that was such an amazing time in my life. I remember we made a lot of music together. Did you guys? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Is it interesting with celebrity I mean, how you kind of pat, like, you'll become, like, you know, together for a while with certain, and then you, yeah. it just... You just, yeah, you just sort of pass each other. But also, you know, we we stayed in touch. Like, I talked to him fairly regularly, and um, he's just, I mean, he's he's like the, the goat, yeah. as, as they say. So, you know, I'd always be honored just... Uh, I find him always inspiring. Probably still, he's still such a different thinker um, about everything. And although he did go on the the Rick um, the Rick Rubin podcast and say he's never going to release any of the music, so that you guys made. Well, I mean, he's just generally talking about music, you know, full stop. So why does he to keep it? I I don't know. Just he just felt like. I think he was saying something along the lines of, you know, he just feels sort of out of the game or like not really part of that. And, he, and he's just expressing himself in all these different ways. And we actually did put something out. We did make, yeah, we did uh, a thing where he was playing clarinet and I was playing piano. Um, I don't, I think for me, it's like, I don't, uh, I just want to help as a producer, like, cause I was in a producer role. I just want to help someone express the thing they want to express. And if, Andre 3000 isn't in a time of his life where he wants to make rap music, then I'll help him express clarinet music. Was, yeah, or help him express, maybe even just realize that, hey, this isn't a time where you want to put something out. Yeah, which may change or may not. Who knows? Like, Does I a mean, lot just, of music get put out? No, a lot of music doesn't get put out. What? Major, a vast majority of music doesn't get put out. Are there some amazing songs out there that you think have been made that were were not put, have not been put out? There's a lot of a lot of songs out there that I shouldn't think shouldn't have been put out. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of amazing songs I've heard in studios that never came out for sure. Yeah, like hundreds, hundreds, and they're honestly feels like a crime. Honestly, it feels like a crime. It's, it's terrible when you hear them and you're like, Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for that to come out and people to hear it. And 
Yeah, because just it's something like a- happens, like promo doesn't work out. Like s- someone, somebody, like an A&R says, oh, I'm not really sure about that one. Or someone says to the artist, like what a friend of theirs says, oh, I don't like that one. And it just turns them off it. Or they develop negative association with that song. It's happened with me plenty of times. I mean, I've got songs and my hard drive is got thousands, thousands of songs that haven't made the cut or they miss their moment. You know, some songs just feel like a moment and it's like if you don't put them out soon, oh, yeah. it, you're not, you just, you're not going to, uh, you're never going to feel like that again. Or maybe sometimes like I didn't nail the vocal take. I didn't fully, so I don't like the way I'm singing. So and I can't be bothered going back in and singing again. So there's all these songs that the, the actual DNA of the song is good, but you can't be bothered doing it again, going back into that place. Yeah. And you can't get back there. It's kind of the value of a moment. It's like sometimes, you know, it's like, man, we were so close right there for that moment. Yeah. And it's like sometimes those things are batches of songs. So like there'll be a batch of songs that sounded like retrograde or there'll be a batch of songs that sounded like Say What You Will. But Say What You Will was the best of that batch Mm. and retrograde was the best of that batch. So I put that out instead of lots of kind of kind of similar tone songs in a similar tone that like one is good. Did you ever get to work with like Willie Nelson or John Mayer? Um, I've never worked with either of those. No, I never have. Um, but I, you know, never say never. I mean, it's Willie not Willie Nelson is Willie Nelson is still alive. Yeah, still no. Is he making? Is he making? They making music and. Yeah, I think he is. He has a daughter. I think Ray, a granddaughter, Ray Lynn Nelson. I think who also does music. Oh right. Um. Yeah, is there an artist that you feel like? I guess you do. You get pitched artists. How does that work? Do you pitch your? Does your agent kind of pitch you to artists? How does that kind of work? That usually doesn't work out. I've found uh-huh. if it's a, if there's an A and R connection or some kind of industry connection, it doesn't really. You know, it's usually from me just getting in touch on Instagram, being saying like I love your music or something like that. Kind of like how how we met. I mean. Obviously, we're not collaborating, although this you could call it a collaboration. That's true. Um, but you know, we just like Jam. Jam's quite good at just reaching out. I sort of learned that from her. She was like, you know, you can just reach out to people directly, and I was like, she's great at connecting with people. Yeah, she's and she just was got friends great... with Simon Rex, and he's great at connecting. Yes, people. yes. So that's like two great connectors. Is your he's so good in that movie? I know. Uh, the one Red Rocket. Yeah. He's so good in that. So ridiculous how they can make it. Yeah. At the beginning, you're like, oh, this is my buddy Simon. By the end, you're like, oh, this is this guy. And I'm yeah. watching his journey. He was brilliant. He was so brilliant. And he's been staying busy since then. It's such a wild. Yeah. What an amazing comeback. I know. Fantastic to watch. Like I was so fucking happy to see that. Yeah. Hollywood's so interesting like that, you know? Um, I mean, maybe comeback's not maybe the right word. Sort of just like a but no, re-entry he, he, into the you right. know, the world. He like, feels like that. He'd moved out to the national park. He was living in a national park. And so that's wow. really... You like know, a bear. Yeah, you're at the end of the line. Then <laughs> you're you're like, basically a bear. I mean, when you're living in a national park, you're really, you're trying to, you know... Yeah. You're thinking probably about suicide. You're not going to do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But there's enough hikes around to keep you safe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Simon knows that. Uh, but he moved out to like Joshua Tree and he was just kind of yeah, living yeah. his life. And then this producer saw him on Instagram wow. and said, you are perfect. Yeah, because he's like an incredible looking, hilarious, 
person. Yeah, and good, and he and he's long and good, you know, has yeah. some goofy elements and like, yeah. um, but just the biggest heart. And so it was really awesome to get to see him, like, and just to see his pride that he felt like you want to. Everybody wants to feel like they are capable, maybe, or they matter. Yeah, or that they. We all just want to feel a little bit of that. Well, like we can just do the thing that we're good at in the limelight for just a moment. Yeah. And just be like, I did that. And, you know, there's definitely a thing inside a lot of people that's just sh sort of screaming for that occasionally, every so often. And if you can, if you, ma if you happen to be in a position where you can like satisfy that voice, it's a nice place to be because... Otherwise, that can eat you up, can't it? Like, if you just can't ever vocalize it or you can't ever You can't get it satisfied. satisfied. Yeah. And it can be satisfied even just in a relationship. It could be satisfied by that one person that you're with. Yeah. It could be satisfied by a parent or a child. It could be satisfied by a, a million people. You know, it could, it could need to be... It's interesting. It just has to land in that place mm. that it's set, that you feel seen. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I... I uh and some people it only takes one person, you know? It takes a wife or a girlfriend or boyfriend or a parent. It just that's all it takes in there. Yeah. Or and, to be the biggest thing in someone's life. Yeah. Be the center of somebody's kind of universe. Um are you um with anyone at the moment? Nope. I started doing I I I I've been doing a little bit of just meantime. Yeah. I took 30 days off of dating so I could get an idea of what I was kind of doing. Nice. Because you can get so sporadic. Yeah. You know, you're just here and there. You go on a date. You're like, do I even care about this? What's going on? How's dating in Los Angeles? Is that difficult? It's been a little rocky. Nashville's been even tougher, kind of, really. Really? Yeah, because I don't go out that much. And so it's been mm -hmm. kind of a tough place to go, um, you know, to meet folks. Do your interests line up with people in LA or, or in Nashville more? I think they're kind of the same. I think it sort of depends. I think you can yeah. kind of find the same type of people anywhere. You know, I'm not like, I'm just kind of middle of the road. I, you know, I think, I'm trying to think of something that really turns me off about somebody. Doing this in a restaurant. Oh, yeah, they're done. Done. Probably. You're out. But if, but they if get, they're attractive enough, you might. I would, I'd probably still order dessert with them, you know. So I'd mill around a bit. So if they did that through starter, main course, and dessert, and they're just calling oh, the way over much. like that. Unless they were like setting a pentameter for some dope-ass beat <laughs> that I didn't know was coming, you know? Or it was like a, a flash mob or something that, that, that never started. They're just yeah. like, hey, guys. Can they we... think it's going to happen as long as they just keep... <laughs> so... Um, have you gotten invited to go play at like some weird private events or something that was really interesting? You're like, okay, this seems strange. Or not strange, but... I've done some... I've done a couple corporate things that I ended up not doing anymore after that because I just felt... You know, like cover fashion events and things where very Zoolander type stuff. Yeah. You know. Um but no. I don't think I you know, I haven't had the like I haven't had the sort of um surreal experience. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really had that in music. Like so, some crazy so thing where they invite you like a baked bean conference or something. Everybody's no. losing their mind or something. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, but, and if, and the things I have done that were a bit weird, I think I'm under contract to not, <laughs> to not talk about. 
<laughs> the thing when I say a bit weird, I mean like yeah, like um, like maybe maybe it's not the kind of gig that like it was a shit gig. Basically. Oh yeah, it's like a sh- really shit gig. Yeah, and. There's, and I was like, okay, let's not have any videos of that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for all your contributions, man. I'm glad that um, we get to spend some time together, you know? Yeah, I mean, and I'd love to, you know, this is, I've never done this sort of, I've never been part of the podcasting universe particularly. Yeah, so it's I cool. Did, it's, I'm, I'm it's really great. glad we got to, that. I'm, I'm really glad that you, that you that you came on and... well it felt like like walking through the screen in a way walking into this uh this oh interesting thing. it was like just jumping through youtube because i've watched your podcast so many times yeah uh do, do a lot of people say that what that you've watched it no that you well that they've just they've been of you know they've watched your shit for so long and then they're just like in the seat where other people are sitting and oh just... yeah i think it's kind of fascinating to people i think people don't know what to think sometimes i think they're a little bit shocked at just how the production works mm. and then suddenly you're there it is interesting how it goes from just us sitting here talking into like a conversation that people could listen to or segments of a conversation yeah you know i mean um, we probably like i feel like our conversations are pretty wide reaching anyway yeah i think so this reminding me i think a lot of like why i always have enjoyed chatting with you you know yeah me too man. Time, yeah you know? Um, what would you say like you think to like, yeah, I know this is kind of a general thing, but it's like, if there's somebody who's having trouble expressing themselves or figuring out wh- how to do that, mm-hmm. um, wh- what suggestion do you think you would give to somebody like that? Well, um, I'd say try a few different things. Um, and if you express yourself to someone and they kind of like, lightly punish you for doing it uh whether that's rejecting you or whatever it is then maybe they're just not the right person to do that with but there will be someone who will like your music take you yeah either yeah like your music or they'll or like they'll take you as you are basically as a person um yeah it's so much we spend so much of our time trying to adjust our song to fit the audience yeah instead of finding the person that hears it you know yeah and to be I think true confidence is is just being confident that sorry using it twice but true confidence is is being in a situation and just knowing that you'd be okay if that person didn't like what you said or didn't like you know kind of rejected you mm. or whatever and I that's hard to get to even even now I find that pretty difficult um but uh and in so many ways I've I've edited myself to death like to 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 be okay for everyone else's consumption but i think to some extent it's like kind of saying what's in on your mind anyway mm. and come what may because ultimately the fastest way to find out if you're in the right situation is to be yourself and uh you can spend many years doing the opposite not being yourself and hoping that people will accept you uh and ultimately you're just treading water you're never gonna you're never gonna fully swim you'll you'll only you'll never scratch the full itch of of uh you you and and 
friendship and love and mm. real connection because you've never been your true self. And being willing to let things go by. Yeah. It's hard. Relationships, man. friends, like all sorts of things. Like things I'm, that may not, yeah. Being willing to say, this isn't it right now. This isn't, yeah. you know, I've struggled with that with dating and stuff to be like, I'm just afraid to let go because what it, you know, it's just such a reaction, you know, what if some part of me, there's a subconscious part of me that's what if there's nothing else, you know? Yeah. Is there like, have you met people where you've, you've kind of felt like now the idea of them not being there is too scary to actually leave the situation, even though it's probably not right? Oh, I think it's happened to me before in the past for yeah. sure. You yeah. know, I think taking some time from dating and stuff helps me get a better view of that and yeah. see it, you know? Um, what are the apps? I mean, I've been in a relationship for eight years. I think. What are the what, apps now? Yeah, what do you? Use? I just got on. I just created a profile on Raya, but I haven't opened it. I haven't started it. Oh right. So I'm not sure if I want to. I've kind of like, it's been like a month now that I've had it, and I just don't know if I. I just don't know how much I want to be spending my time trying to manage that, and then yeah. how much do I want to just kind of let it happen, but. Totally. And also when your job, I mean, I guess you meet a lot of people in your job. Um, yeah, you meet a decent amount. A lot of them is men. That's, that's true. Although you could, you could change that, I guess. You could just yeah. start inviting more people. You might find more like minds um, in, 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 the, in the female space. Yeah, I might have to get out and get a couple more dames around, you know. <laughs> Wouldn't be a bad idea. But the, I remember being on, in my, in my year, I think between two relationships, being single and having a Raya account and one of the, I was like scrolling and one of the interests someone put was coconut oil. Yeah. And I just closed the app and deleted <laughs> it and then there's no one back. <laughs> That's, uh... It just seems too surface level. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like... <laughs> um, James Blake, man, thank you so much for spending time, brother. Yeah, man, my, my pleasure. It's so nice to be here and thanks for having me. You know, I'm a fan as well as a friend, but I just, uh, I love what you do and it's great to actually see the place. Yeah. Welcome to inside of the internet, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you for all your wonderful music. And, um, is there music that people can like, you know, it's such a generic question, but yo, is there, you're going to keep making music. That's the plan. Okay. Good. Um, going to keep making it. Um, the next thing I think is going to be more of a, more of a dance orientated slash more electronic type thing. Yeah. Um, which I've just, um, yeah, I'm in the process of finishing, but who knows how long that kind of thing takes. So, but I'm also, I'm, I've got a club night that I'm, I'm doing at the moment called CMYK, uh, in partnership with Rhonda, uh, a club named Rhonda, um, Rhonda presents CMYK and that's my, uh, club night that I've been doing around the country. And so if anyone wants to come and see me DJ and I'm playing a lot of my new music there, um, then they can come and see that. Groovy, man. We'll put the link in the uh, in the description. Um, thanks so much, man. Great to see you. Yeah, man. Loads of love. Thanks. Cheers, brother. Back at you. Cheers. Now I'm just floating on the breeze And I feel I'm falling like these leaves I must be cornerstone Oh, but when I reach that ground I'll share this peace of mind I found I can feel it in my bones Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jonathan Kite, and welcome to Kite Club. 
a podcast where I'll be sharing thoughts on things like current events, stand-up stories, and seven ways to pleasure your partner. The answer may shock you. Sometimes I'll interview my friends. Sometimes I won't. And as always, I'll be joined by the voices in my head. You have three new voice messages. A lot of people are talking about Kite Club. I've been talking about Kite Club for so long, longer than anybody else. So great. Hi, sweetheart. Here's a deal. Anyone who doesn't listen to Kite Club is a dodgy bloody wanker. Jermaine. Hi, I'll take a quarter pounder with cheese and a McFlurry. Sorry, sir, but our ice cream machine is broken. I think Tom Hanks just butt-dialed me. Anyway, first rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Second rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Third rule, like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or watch us on YouTube, yeah? And yes, don't worry, my Brad Pitt impression will get better.